Hey everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. We're going to discuss the video games of 1984. I'm your host, Michael, my co-host, the guy who kicked me over to the, the bucket seat on the right, taking the wheel, is John. How's it going, everybody? Howdy ho, neighbor! Howdy ho! <laughs> oh, Michael, you really got that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so, video games of 1984, we're after the crash, dude. We're 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 yeah. cleaning up the the dust from the destruction. What do we have to save us? Well, here's the here's the thing. I have nothing to tell you about uh, how well uh, how fi- well financially things were because that's how I've opened all all these shows before. And post crash, I don't think anyone cares anymore. No, not really. Uh, I think you're really going to say I have nothing. I'd be like, that's the end of the episode. Everybody have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> nothing happened. We're done. No. Uh, at this time, uh, Mattel sell, uh, sold off all their Intellivision uh, hardware and their assets to actually a former uh, VP of marketing for them, uh, for Intellivision, uh, who ended, ended up forming an entirely new company called Intellivision Inc., later uh, called INTV. And eh, under his management, they managed to uh, keep uh, Intellivision, the brand, going till like 1990. Wow. So, you know... Intellivision survived uh, somewhat. Uh, at the same time, Warner also ended up selling off their all their Atari hardware, software, basically everything to this uh, group called Trammel uh, Technology. Basically, less than two months after uh, Trammel was formed. Isn't it crazy uh, that they, this, they, they had just bought it for like $26 million? Like, what, a year, two years before? <laughs> just like yeah, that, they're done. And it's, yeah, they basically sold this stuff off... Uh, and they, this company rebranded itself as a, as the Atari Corporation, and I'm gonna say it in this way: they somehow <laughs> managed to stay afloat until 1998 when they were sold off to Hasbro. But you know, like shit, Atari just kind of looped around for a long time afterwards. Like they still put out, still managed to put out some games too, which. Uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about eventually once we get into like, uh, you know, once we, you know, post NES uh, right. you know, well, I think what console wars what stuff. carried them for so long was of course the legacy of 2600, but they already had the 5200 in the can, um, and I think it was released by the time they sold the Trammel, and then they had already been in development on the 7800. So it's almost as if everything was set up for them for a while. Of course, we're gonna get the Lynx and Jaguar later, which would bury their ass. <laughs> yeah, that's. Again, that's what I'm talking about, like them kind of mismanaging their asses. It's <laughs> they they were more successful uh, just kind of licensing their games out. Yeah, when they that's, could. that's why they still survive now. Then, I can't believe they're about to come out with yeah. another fucking console. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But like at the same time, uh, some new companies were formed. You have Accolade, who uh, did uh, later on would do things like Test Drive and Star Control, Ocean, which. If you've played any licensed games off, like, the Nintendo, <laughs> uh, you've played a Notion game. Uh, Psygnosis, which did the Wipeout series and Lemmings. You know, it's like, there's a whole bunch of these, uh, you know, these companies that have just got formed up. You know, obviously all for PC at this point, because no one was really doing uh, computer games. But, uh, there was a game that was almost made my list for 83 until I uh, ended up realizing that it was Japan only. And 
Punch-Out came out in 1984 in arcades in the U.S. Isn't it so funny the original Punch-Out compared to the home version is... I knew it because it was at uh, this pizza place my dad worked at called uh, Pappy Gray's. And it had the green vector line kind of... Uh, what, what do you call it? It's not vector oh, yeah. line, but what, what's that? Well, it's a wireframe. Wireframe. It's a wireframe, dude. So it yeah. looks so much different, but I also like the look of it better. I don't like the home version, that little guy. I can't remember his name, but... Uh, Oh, Little Mac, yeah. Yeah, I don't like the home version as much. The arcade version is just so much smoother, and the way it looks, you can see through them, so it's easier to fight, I think. Because they had to make Mac so yeah. tiny in order not to block it. Yeah, and the case of this one, because you have them as a wireframe construct, the graphics are a lot prettier. Uh, they're all the create, all these characters were created by uh, uh, Mario creator Shigeru Miyamoto, uh, which also, this was also scored, the first game scored by... Uh, Kojo, uh, uh, sorry, Koji Kondo, who did uh, ultimately would do the the scores to Super Mario Brothers, Legend of Zelda, you know, <clears throat> the the weird kind of goofy music from this game is uh, done by probably one of the video game's best composers. <laughs> well, I think I think but what yeah, I enjoy it's... about the, the game is that it is goofy. It's not supposed to be a real life simulation in any way whatsoever. It's cartoonish. It's it's seriously over the top. Some pizza pasta or whatever you know, Glass Joe. Uh, yeah, Glass Joe Bald Bull. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember if King Hippo's in this one. Yeah, I can't remember. I thought but, King, yeah. I th- no, I thought King Hippo was the 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 final villain in the arcade version, and then they added Mike Tyson just on top of it for the home console. It, it's something like that. I don't I don't remember them specifying who was a boss. I didn't research that far into how many which characters made yeah. the transition. Do you think it's funny that but, uh, that Mike Tyson? It's called Mike Tyson's Punch Out, yet he's the villain. That's as if you called it King Koopa's Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> well, the idea is you're going off to fight the champ. Yeah. He's, he's, he's not necessarily a villain in this, anyway. Uh, <laughs> real life? Uh... Yeah, he's a pretty fucking horrible person. I can't believe he's allowed to be in movies and has a cartoon after him. The fucking ear eater rapist. Fucking Mike Tyson yeah. boggles my mind. But not in the world of Trump. <laughs> Tyson makes a lot more sense now. Yes. But yeah, it's but this is just is the champ. So you're just a uh, I I'm not a I want to make this clear. I don't watch a lot of boxing or any boxing. I watch boxing movies. So, that's the best you'll get. <laughs> so I don't. So I'm not gonna pretend like I know everything about it. But I have a feeling that Little Mac is fighting way out of his division. <laughs> it's so, uh, yeah, it, it's not, not the same weight class. <laughs> it's like Mike Rob Tyson. Schneider. If Rob Schneider were to fight <laughs> Dolph Lundgren, <laughs> it ain't going to happen. Yeah, somehow I, it makes sense that he's that he gets ass beat you know, very easily, which I don't know. But again, yeah, you're not, I know you're not fighting Mike Tyson in this version of it. But even then, after all the stuff that happened with Mike Tyson at that time, you stopped fighting him. It was like, I think, Mr. Dream or something like that was the the replacement character. But, yeah, this almost made the 83 thing only because, you know, partially because 83 was kind of light. But it was Japan only. And I am going to break this rule of uh, U.S. releases specific for two things in this one. I... We'll let you know now. <clears throat> but one of the other games that came out is a game called Karate Champ, 
which is this uh, dual joystick fighting game. And I mean, you're a karate dude. You're fighting other karate dudes. There's no real, no real plot. Well, I feel but... that's the plot. You're a karate dude fighting <laughs> waiters. <laughs> what? <laughs> Do you want your drink clock? <laughs> Son of a bitch! I guess I'm not but... getting the tip. You're getting the tip of my foot. <laughs> but the thing is, this is like this is uh, like Karate Kid sort of thing. You know, you're in a you're in a champion you're in championship stuff. So. You're not. You don't have a health bar because you're not there beating the crap out of your opponent. You're there to score points. So successful hits on your opponent is like uh, you know scores you a point or half a point depending on where you do, and you only win if you get two full points in total. Oh wait, I remember this game now. I think we did play it at the arcade uh, when I was a kid. Is it the one where the guy with the silly mustache sits in the middle with a flag and he'll point at the person after getting a hit? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I remember and. That. And the thing is, this was actually a big inspiration on Mortal Kombat. That's weird. I guess they probably played Karate Champ and said, God, this kind of sucks. There's hardly any movement. Let's make a badass version of this. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. But one that I like a little bit more was Kung Fu Master, which is familiar to anyone who played the NES port Kung Fu. Yes! I was going to ask you, because I started thinking about Karate Champ, and I thought, see, oh, Kung Fu, yeah, I had that. I had that on the Nintendo. That was one of the very first games. It might have been the first game that I ever bought. Um, That's the one where it's a side-scroller where you're, like, in a... It's kind of like the game of death where you're in, like, a a tower, and you're going up each floor, right, and you have to fight snakes or something stupid. Exactly. Okay, yeah, 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 I remember that game. Yeah, fight snakes, and you're punching... You you can punch and kick people. Punching delivers more damage... But punching also is like really, really crappy. So you're always just karate kicking people in the face. I wish and, you could have just. You know, that, I wish the gameplay was better. That you could pick up the snake and then throw it at the bad guys, like whip it around. Oh, <laughs> uh, they well, that's something they should do if they ever go and remake this. Because yeah. yeah, this is a this was a hell of a game. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, but it's but, so hard to play these old style games. Oh, yeah. If you got to the second level, you're like, oh my god, it's a miracle. <laughs> Now, this also game was created by uh, Takashi uh, Nishiyama, who also ended up designing the original Street Fighter game, and then went uh, ended up going over to SNK and created uh, the great games like uh, Art of Fighting, Fatal Fury, and Samurai Showdown. So, the man, the man ended up creating some of the some of my favorite fighting games of oh, all yeah, time. I love SNK. I'm a hardcore SNK fan. Samurai Showdown. Oh, it's one of the best fighting games ever. Street, the original Street Fighter, not as good, but I can definitely. When I when I read that, I went, I totally understand. I I see it one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> now, there's a game. Now this was Japan only, but there was a game called Tower of Draga, which is basically fantasy Pac-Man. Oh. Okay. Yeah, you are a little you're a dude in a maze, you know, have like a Pac-Man-ish maze, but you got a sword. So as you're going around this maze, you go you can actually attack attack your opponents as opposed to having to uh, you know, uh, look for power pellets and stuff like that. Okay. So he didn't no eating. Just slashing. Yeah. No no eating slashing, but it is a similar setup like again, like Pac-Man. And basically you're climbing this like 70 floor tower. And so all these mazes that you're doing, you're actually trying to complete specific objectives for each floor. 
but there's also like secrets and stuff that you can go and find and unlock. And the thing is, this ended up being extremely influential on uh, later RPGs like uh, the Zelda franchise. That's what I was wondering. Because okay. of yeah, because it if you ever take a look for screenshots of this thing, because you can kind of see a Zelda, it you know like where Zelda would have gotten its influence from. Uh, also, there's another uh, franchise called Yeez that uh, is definitely definitely shares the same DNA as this game. Like, I almost removed this, but the fact that it is fantasy Pac-Man, I had to talk about it. Wait, it's called Tower of Draga? <laughs> I'm looking at an anime here. Yeah, yeah, D-R-U-A-G-A, yeah. So does this get remaked into a cartoon? That's all I'm getting uh, is images I, of... There, there, there. NES. If I look, I'm sorry. I guess there's an animated version of this. Oh, you are absolutely spot on. This looks a hell of a lot like... Uh... Oh, and it's never been released in America? I'm looking at it. It looks like it was only no. for Famicom. This look, game looks fucking rad. It, it looks awesome, doesn't it? Like, I I really feel we got cheated out of something. Yeah. <laughs> Time for a Raspberry Pi. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. We also this in '84 got uh, Packland. Oh no! I hate now, that game. I hate the. Is that the fucking side scroller? I don't get that at all. That is a side. That is the crappy side scroll. Oh. Well, okay. I'm going to give its praise. I think it's a trash game too. Okay, but it actually at the time was actually well received, and you know it kind of looked okay because it was based off the the Pac-Man cartoon, so it had this cartoonish... Which I'm a sucker for. God, I don't understand. Well, Pac-Man sounds like he'd, uh, he smokes 12 packs a day, by the way, instead of pellets. He's <laughs> chucking down cigarettes. Hey, uh, he, yeah, I can't get his voice right. He talks like this. I can't, I can't do it, but it's so unusual. I love that fucking cartoon. <laughs> but it's like, instead, it's like instead of a joystick, you were controlling it with the directional buttons. Yeah. And, and again, it was actually pretty well-received, Although people did say that was a bit difficult, which, because it was kind of... You can't really do that style of gameplay as an arcade machine. It works yeah. better as a console. Yeah, for me, it's just uh, the control scheme drove me insane. It, that's, that's the only reason the game sucks, is because the control scheme is so much harder than... Well, maybe it's because if it wasn't Pac-Man, would I hate it as much? Maybe. Um, because I think the other Pac-Man spinoffs are way better. Well, it's also the thing is, this... Because of how it was designed, it's not the you know it's not the first platformer that it was ever there, but its design was extremely influential because it paved the way for later uh, later platformers like the Alex Kidd series, Wonder Boy series, and of course Mario and Bonk and Bonk and Bubsy. Yeah, and yeah like nine thousand. What is the first platformer like? Legit platformer in this design. Oh god, I'd have to look that up. I, I still would think it probably would have been Pitfall, really. Wow. Okay. But so that's I, not. Yeah, I guess in my head that doesn't seem like a platformer because it's such a. But I guess you're right. It's such a low rent. Okay, so Pac-Land is very, very early. I mean, it's probably one of the first five or six, right? That really. Yeah. It. That really did specifically what a. Because I mean, heck, Donkey Kong Three. Is, is a platformer. You're yeah. still so you know, guess, doing platformer. I have to give them credit for at least going to the next because they were repeating themselves a lot. Because what, there's there's Pac-Man, there's... Uh, the next one was Super Pac-Man or did Miss Pac-Man come out first? 
can't uh, Miss Pac-Man came out first. Yeah, then Pac, then like Super Pac-Man and Pac uh, and Pal, yeah, we, and then Baby Pac-Man and Pac-Man Junior. So they're really the only well Pac-Man, Baby Pac-Man's really innovative because it was a pinball game plus uh, a regular video game. But yeah, we've but we've gone over we've we've spoken about those. I yeah, think, what, sorry, I'm just a big fan of Pac-Man. I love Pac-Man. Yeah. Now here's a game that I'm a huge fan of, Marble Madness. Oh, so difficult, but so gorgeous. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, it's like you use this trackball to guide this marble through a series of MC Escher-esque mazes. Yeah. It's like, it's so simple in its design and all its aesthetics, but it's such, even especially at the time, and even now, it's such a unique gaming experience. It's like, not only is this playable now, you know, it's still super enjoyable and Damn, that game is hard as hell. Oh, fuck. It's just like Zaxxon. Zaxxon's gorgeous, and it kind of uses a similar technology. That goddamn game is so hard, it makes you angry. Like, it's so beautiful, why is it so hard? <laughs> but that's the thing is, even even with it being difficult, you never feel like it's impossible. You never want to uh, flip a, flip the table over and go away. Right, you, you just have to be very off. subtle with your motion, you know, when you're controlling the trackball. Is that the only video game? Oh my god, I just thought of this. Is is this the only game that had a controller that was the same thing? A little brown ball and a little round ball. <laughs> well, no, technically, even though... Even though you're... <clears throat> well, I'll say... Centipede, technically you are a round object. That's true. Because you're, you're whatever the... You know, the, the wand or whatever that is, because you're... Uh, the ill-defined I am a uh, elf defending my homeland from you know monsters and shit but yeah it's still kind of a similar shape to your trackball but no you're you're right specifically you are a you're a round thing being controlled by a round thing um th- I feel like there was a game right before this where I, I'm trying to remember the name of it I want to see it was Crystal Castles where there was a bear and it had kind of the same similar platform to this Marble Madness am I wrong but it wasn't as three dimensional uh, and I, I, could be, I don't know maybe I'm not thinking of a different game go ahead possibly Just, yeah, it, it's sorry. possible uh, it, but this is also this concept for this game has been like imitated many times yeah well I'm like, sure Clax had I, something like this I thought or if, if I think of the right game yeah actually my favorite version of this that's not Marble Madness is there's a game that came out on the PSP called Mercury, where it's essentially you're taking a little mercury blob. Oh, I remember that. And you yeah. have to you have to guide it through these little mazes and stuff, trying to keep a specific, at least a specific amount of mercury to the end goal. And it's you know, it's that same concept, just you know now you know more physically uh, designed. I just saw there's a, a balance board. Uh, you know, for exercising that comes with uh, games built into the board. So while you're doing planks, you play these games and you move the thing with your board. And Marble Madness would be perfect on that. Like, if you're shifting your body, you're moving the marble around the maze. Oh, man. That would be... That would be sick. Yeah. Um, All right, what's next? 1942. Oh, God, I love now, this game. The Turbo Graphics this 16. Is, oh, so perfect on it. Well, think about it like this. This is Capcom's 18th best-selling franchise. 
of like all the stuff they have. Now you're like 18. That why are you why are you praising 18? Okay, think about it. When your franchises include things like Street Fighter, Mega Man, Resident Evil, Monster Hunter, 18 is pretty damn amazing. Yeah, well, it's also their first, right? <laughs> this is their first franchise, like their first burst yeah. uh, on, on the arcade scene. Yeah, this it spawned a franchise of 19xx games. So you know, 1942, 1950 something. I, I I forget, I forget. I there's five of them in total, and I don't have them written down. But yeah, there's this is basically even of all the top-down plane shooters, this is really the most prolific at the time. It's you know as much as I love like Time Pilot and other games of you know of these kind of shooter types, this is the superior game hands down. Like, do you do they, you prefer top-down or side? I actually prefer top-down. Yeah, same But here. I also prefer. I prefer kind of bullet hell shooters. Like, my favorite uh, of these sorts of franchises is a series called uh, called Raiden. Oh, yeah, Raiden's great, yeah. Which, yeah, those are amazing. You know, Ikaruga. Like, when you kind of get into the bullet hell style of these sorts of things, I enjoy them a little bit more. <clears throat> but it's, like, yeah. it. But 1942, even though it wasn't the first, it's kind of the one that perfected what you do. Yeah, is this the first one that gave you, like, the bonus guns? I love it when you can choose... I mean, it's more in the sci-fi-oriented ones, but when you get all the gadget guns, you just, you know, fly by and grab those. And I think that's why it works so much better in top-down is because you get to see the beautiful art and how those blasts affect it. Yeah, because not only... Yeah, because you're able to see those things. And it's a lot more clear you know, where your enemies are. Because sometimes, yes. even on a side-scroller, it's not as clear where you're, where you're ultimately aiming at. Where it's just like, if you're shooting straight for, straight up, anything in that path is going to get hit. Side, you know, usually they'll bounce up and down and shit, and you can't, you know, you end up lo- losing more of your, uh, you know, losing more time trying to kill something as it's bouncing up and down as it comes at you. Now I'm looking at TurboGrafx-16 Mini. Uh... <laughs> oh, it's not even around. It's sold out. Son of a bitch. Oh, they no. Had, they had so many great top-down shooters. It hasn't even been out that long. Came out May 22nd, but with everybody being stuck at home. Or, or, actually, let me yeah. ask you this. How many people are still stuck at home? Because I've never been able to... Unless, except for that week I was in quarantine. I, are there a lot of people still waiting to work again? Am I wrong? I'm. A, I would think so, be considering that I, as much as I hear about people claiming unemployment benefits yeah, and all that, I just but, want to know what's still closed. I'm curious because movie theaters are now open, and I'm just like, what's left? Yes. Welcome to the uh, politics section of. Sorry, our <laughs> I was just thinking about this. Well, <laughs> it's because everybody tells me that the quarantines are going on, and that's why game systems are selling so well while everything is sold out. So I guess getting a Turbo Graphics 16 ain't gonna happen. But go ahead. I'm sorry, I interrupt. No, no worries, no worries. Uh, my next one is a PC game. It is a text adventure game co-created by the author Douglas Adams called Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I love this Based music, by the first... way. I love the theme. 
the show, though, I've had the hardest time with Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. But I remember the game that was really goofy and fun, right? It, had, like, uh, it was text-based. Yeah, it's a text-based thing based off the first book in which our normal, everyday human Earth man, Arthur Dent, escapes the destruction of Earth with his alien friend, uh, Fort Prefect, and gets caught up in adventures he doesn't really want to be in. <laughs> and... The the thing is, this game is so is filled with puzzles that range from silly to outright damn near impossible. Like, for instance, the first puzzle, if I remember this correctly, the solution to the very first puzzle is you have to have Arthur Arthur open up his eyes, or else he's just going to bump into things. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> it's like you wake up, you actually have to open your eyes, otherwise everything is dark. I don't know what's going on. Type in open eyes. Oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> Such a strange... I guess it's because games back then, they had to get creative with new things to do in text space because this is kind of the end of text space too, right? I mean, this is the last couple years of it. Yeah, it, once you, then you start getting like the LucasArts games. But, well, here, before I go into that, because that's definitely worth touching on, even though they haven't really done anything of note yet uh, but it does relate to this uh, there's a puzzle in here for to getting the babel fish it is one of the most difficult puzzles at ever put together uh, essentially you have to set up a Rube Goldbergian chain of events in order to get it but of course once you get to this point in the game you don't know this yeah there's only a there's a like I think there's only three fish in this little container and it's like if you go up to it and press the button, the fish falls out. A little robot comes and scoops it up. Okay, you block block the little trash robot's entrance. Okay, well, you push it. Thing falls on the floor. A drone comes and picks it up. <laughs> you do you you find a way to stop drone. Something else is. It's basically you have to keep <clears throat> kind of figuring out what it is you have to do in in order to stop all these things mm-hmm. from stealing stealing your fish. But again, you don't know this, and since there's only a limited number of them, once you're out of fish, you can't progress further in the story, so you literally have to start over from square one. That's annoying. <laughs> and that's and that's the sort of thing that if you ever play any of these text-based adventure games, you learn that, oh yes, one you have to make sure you hoard everything like a little trash panda, because one day your solution to a puzzle will be Oh, you take this. Uh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to come up with a good example. And actually, I'll I'll go to a different game. I'll go to Metal Gear just for shits and giggles. You have to get an owl, and then you have to put it next to this guard. When the owl hoots, the guard will think that it's nighttime and he goes to bed, letting you <laughs> enter a letting you enter a a thing. It doesn't. It doesn't matter that there's no night cycle in this game. So it's daytime. The owl hoots, so the guard must go to bed. These are the sort of solutions that <laughs> that text-based adventures have been giving us, and and uh, point-and-click-based adventures have given us for years. That's so the silly. most randomly group Goldbergian <laughs> bullshit ever. Wow. I love them and hate them at the same time. <laughs> Now, the last one I'm going to bring up, uh, game-wise anyway, is Tetris. Oh, wow, I did that early. I didn't know that. 
Yeah, that's the thing. I'm not going to describe this game. It's Tetris. If you're listening to this podcast, you know what Tetris is. Yeah, everybody knows what Tetris is, but you know, you talk about it at work when you're trying to put something together. You're like, it's like building Tetris with this. You know, everybody knows what it is. Exactly. This is basically one of the most important video games of all time. Now, not right at this moment. It's going to be a few years down the line, but it's created by a Russian software engineer Alexei uh, Pajanov, uh, and I'm not going to go into the full story on this, uh, be- only because once we get to its its point in history, I think that's when I really want to more deep dive into everything about Tetris, because again, its role in history is yet to come. Yeah, it's, uh, it, if you're curious, you need to know now, G4 did an episode about it called Icons, uh, Tetris, uh, where they really go into the whole legal battle. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, uh, this This is just kind of like a little, yeah, I put together this little thing based off of a uh, off a little puzzle that I used to like as a kid. And so you have this little game, you know, created by this, uh, this, this Russian software engineer, that has this big history, but it's just right now, it's just kind of floating around in Russia at this at this point. Yeah. But but in in a few years, this thing is going to uh, hit the world at large, and it's going to certainly change the world for better, uh, video game wise, anyway. So that's the last game. And that's the last game. Although, let me bring up. I'll bring up another thing. Just at. In 83, we also did have the Nintendo Famicom debut. So, all throughout this year, there have been ports of all these games that uh, have been hitting arcades. Like, uh, let's see, I want to say it's what? Was it Donkey Kong 3? Or was it uh, Ice Climbers? There's been a a few of the arcade games and stuff that that we all know and love have also hit Famicom at this point. But we aren't going to see the Famicom until 86. Right. Well, did they already have the Versus consoles, though, at home? I feel like those are already out. Like that weird circular arcade system where it said Versus and it would have a different game each segment. Well, they had, like, the Game & Watch stuff. They, They were... We had a couple of things out, but for the most part... Home consoles, again, never... We kind of... All that stuff crashed in 83, so... We're... In the U.S., we're just kind of... In a in a holding pattern yeah, for the yeah. next... This year and next year. Once we get to 86, obviously, we'll... Nintendo's going to... Uh, debut big in the States. But Famicom has been around since 83... And is slowly building up its library. Well, that's a, a fun episode about video games that went longer than the last time because '83 was kind of depressing. We didn't have much to say. We're like, it all went to shit. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else yeah, you want to say before we go? Oh man, please! If you if you can find any of these old retro games, hell, if you can find yourself an arcade, play some of this stuff. That's Go back, go back, and actually, you know, hit a wayback machine. Try some of this stuff out, because, my God, it, I know arcades are basically a thing of the past, but 
you know, find yourself a 1942, you know, machine. Find one of these things. Yeah, you don't live in the Pacific Northwest. We have arcades everywhere. We have one here. It's a, it's a, they call it barcades now, where you basically drunk, eat peanuts, and play video games. But uh, we have a lot of them in, the, in Oregon and Washington. It's, it's amazing. I don't. Do you have those anywhere where you live? Uh, I don't know of any out here. Obviously, quarantine has... And that's the other thing. When you can. <laughs> yeah. You know, experiencing this on a digital machine is best when it's safe and proper to do it. I didn't think I needed to say that, but yeah, I probably should. <laughs> uh, there, Arizona, yeah, I visit a couple of barcades, but uh, there was usually like... They're more 90s machines, not so much the 80s. Yeah, uh, there's a mixture. Yeah, my favorite thing is ground control in Portland. Uh, they have a whole – well, I think they remodeled the whole place. But the whole upstairs was all pinball, and I'm a pretty much a pinball junkie. Um, and I would get – like it's just a whole wall of games you've never seen before. I didn't know they made a Shadow. 1994 is The Shadow with Alec Baldwin. They made a pinball game of it, and it's amazing. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's in the whole bottom floor. Is just uh, they redid it like Tron. It looks like the 2010 Tron, and uh, um, the games there are just amazing. But uh, it's not as vast as I wish it would be. There's one in Santa Cruz. That's the most amazing fucking arcade I've ever seen in my life. There's a mini golf place there, but there's also the biggest fucking arcade outside of like an amusement park. Because every every massive amusement park always has a big arcade with classic games in it. But this, wow, it just my jaw was on the floor. But yeah, that that's if anything, with with what this show talk you know is kind of geared towards and looking at, I again always trying to bring in my, you know the ones that I played especially because you know obviously it's like it's easier to talk about something if you've actually played it. Yeah, well, but, this Tower of Draga I'm really interested in beyond the game because what I'm looking at is apparently it's a big thing in Japan still. There's cartoons about them. There's manga. There's well, I shouldn't say anime, I should say anime, not cartoons. But um, yeah, I'm really interested in looking this yeah, franchise same thing, up. Same. Yeah, you're hitting something on your mic, by the way. I don't know. It's shorting out or something. Oh, sorry about that. That's okay. Um, just say it was your massive mustache rubbing the microphone. You have a big curly mustache, <laughs> and you can't help. Um, all right, so that's it, everybody. Check uh, us out. I do. Oh, you do. Is it big and curly? Have you waxed it up? Not not so much curly, but I am twir- I am twirling it at this moment like oh. a villain. See, I don't I can't grow facial hair on my upper lip, so I just let my nose hairs grow out and I wax them around into a big curl. Yeah. I wax them with my snot. <laughs> so so I'm such a child, I swear to God. <laughs> Okay, that's it. We should probably go now. Uh, check us out on Facebook under Hit Rewind while you think about my snot-covered mustache. Ew. Um, everyone, good night. Leave quickly. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
It is called the Rocky Horror Punk Rock Show, and it takes all the songs you know and just gives it a faster beat. I absolutely love this album. I love the original, of course, but there's something very special about this. One of my favorite bands, uh, The Phenomenas, does an excellent cover. And, uh, you know, the Ataris, they started there. This is from, I think, about 10 years ago. Alkaline Trio, who is a fantastic album. They're really dark and creepy. Perfect for Halloween, does over at the Frankenstein place. And, oh! Uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Uh, let's, let's hear a bit. Mm. But, but uh, I don't want to, like, just listen to the soundtrack. It sounds delicious. Can you hear it? Mm-hmm. It's, this one's really close to the original. That's just a little bit. We're not going to get too boiled down into what's on the soundtrack. Uh, but uh, it's a really excellent album. And um, But mostly we're going to talk about the 40th anniversary of the movie and our experiences with it. And oddly enough, we've actually recorded this episode before. My equipment shut down and we tried a different method and it sounded like I was yelling from across uh, the state over to Jacob. And it just sounded horrible. So take two. It's as if, you know, the Hunchback of Notre Dame was just trying to sing opera. Yes, it was Sanctuary. The, uh, for, <laughs> for me, Rocky Horror Picture Show was uh, a challenge, actually, to get through. Uh, and don't, don't stop the episode. There's a reason. Uh, the first time I ever heard about it was my cousin Lisa was telling me about it, and it was, it was her favorite movie. So she watched it over and over, and I had to see it. It, it, it. At the time, it had just come out on video. It was a big deal because it had been playing theaters for 15 years, and for the first time they said, you know what, I think we kind of exhausted the big chunk of the midnight audience. Let's put it on video and see if we can get another generation coming in. And it did, it worked. It's still, to this day, it's constantly playing uh, the midnight shows. And that's kind of the rebirth of this movie is... In cult cinemas, drive-ins, video, just it's always uh, after the fact, and that's what makes it for a really great cult film. Jacob, did you discover this on video, TV, theater? Uh, TV. I remember there being an interview with Tim Curry one night. It was like an anniversary special, and I loved. To, uh, you know, I was always a big Tim Curry fan before I discovered Rocky Horror Picture Show because you know it's his voice. It's, I thought he was really funny in Home Alone Two, Lost in New York, and of course. Muppet Treasure Island, yeah. where he played Long, Long John Silver. And uh, of course, <laughs> I, think Legend, that was one of... I think both of us had seen Legend, but I don't. I didn't key into the fact it was Tim Curry under all that makeup till years later, and I was shocked to find out. Oh, I know. I mean, how? I mean, look at him. He played darkness. He was the devil practically. He was like evil and sinister and scary, but at the same time, so sexy. Yeah, that explains it. Very, very, very <laughs> uh, but, yeah, and then I. Then it was this interview, and then it shows a little clip of him singing uh, Sweet Transvestite. And then I'm like, <laughs> and I couldn't help but laugh. I'm like, because, you know, I treated, you know, like it was a Monty Python episode. I always thought it was funny when, you know, the male cats would dress up as women and act so silly and ridiculous. Yeah. The, uh, the first time I saw some video, we were having our movie night. Uh, me and my tight group of friends. I wasn't really like a party guy, like to go out drinking and stuff like that. None of us were. I am more comfortable with maybe less than a dozen people. Uh, it, it's, it's, everything seems like it's really fake when you go to a big party with tons of people. You just find yourself having these conversations that aren't really conversations. This was where we could all hang out, watch crappy movies or underground stuff. That's where I would discover Monty Python, Strange Brew, uh, 
Paradise, stuff like that. And uh, one night, my best friend, Ron, said, we got to see the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like a year or two ago, one of my uh, one of my cousins was trying to get me to watch that, but I just never got around to it. And he's like, oh, you got to see it. So we watched it at the movie party. And I think it was like the last of the trilogy. We always watched three movies. And uh, right. I found myself kind of getting tired and I wasn't really in it. Some of the songs were cool. I really liked uh, Time Warp. And... It was, it was the fact that I was tired also at the time, and I apologize for this, but, you know, a lot of us, you know, uh, Indiana guys were kind of homophobic. I wouldn't say I'm straight out, like, full-on homophobic, but I, I think I was kind of uncomfortable with any ideas like gay people or, you know, lesbians, uh, transsexuals, transvestites, like anything that was just not the, the typical what you were used to, in, especially in Indiana. So I think I was uncomfortable the first time I saw it because I was thrown off by the whole thing. It wasn't until it wasn't until a few years later when we were watching in college and it just clicked. You know, I was older, I was more comfortable with who I was, and I wasn't afraid of, you know, different behavior. And uh, it was more freeing. I, I finally started to embrace the movie. And uh, I, I seem to recall buying the soundtrack and listening to it every single morning to get me going, to rev me up. And it's, it's a fantastic album. I think my roommate ended up hating my guts <laughs> for it. <laughs> Oh, dude, I don't blame him. I mean, he can only take he can only take so much. I mean, yeah, it's a great uh, album. I even have it on a vinyl. I found it at a record store. Yeah, um, and yeah, I had the CD. You have the original vinyl, which has I think only ten songs on it. So it means it's missing a few. the The CD, the extended cut CD, has a lot of tracks that are new. Well, not new. They're in the movie, but I mean, they're new to being released on vinyl. Yeah, no, they were never released until now. <laughs> Every great thing should be released. Indeed. And I want to say, you as a child growing up in Indiana, oh, you evil little bastard. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> I don't blame you, Michael. I mean, come on. It's okay. I mean, it's not uncomfortable, really, depending on, like, how you grow up around it. Right. Like, you know, with me, just, you know, watching what I watched with Monty Python and all that. And then, of course, years go by, never discriminated, never hated him. And then 2012 comes around, I decided to dress up as Dr. Frankenfurter for Halloween. Oh, man. Did that just, like, hug your grapes? I mean, could you? Were you comfortable? Well, the panties were a little loose, so I had to wear some black underwear underneath it. <laughs> yeah, I always wondered what it was like to... I, I mean, I have to admit, now as a grown-up, I don't give a shit what people think. I'm curious what it feels like to wear those. I mean, does it feel like... It's, is it like a thinner version of superhero late uh, costume? You know, like the... What is it? Latex? Um, spandex, I mean. Spandex. It's quite comfortable, actually, yes. My name is Larry David, and I enjoy wearing women's underwear. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Because <laughs> Jeff I, tried to get Larry to convince that the oh panties in his car were not some other woman's. <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, with, with the Rocky Horror Picture Show, it's freeing. It's, it's, it's about being who you want to be. It, it doesn't even have to have to do anything with sexuality. It's about having a good time, about releasing the stress of your world and just, even if it's just for the time that that movie is running, to jump into that world, be somewhere else, and just let go. And I can totally embrace an idea like that. True, and critically speaking, it's also for, you know, people who are sexually repressed. I mean, that's from a critical standpoint. I'm not trying to bash it. I mean, it's people, sometimes, uh, when you say something like that and people react negatively, it's their fault for not appreciating the difference between negativity and critical thinking. Right. Uh, the, what was I going to say? Um, 
when this plays in theaters, I wanted to go for years, but I could never find the money because in college I was insanely broke to find the money or it was sold out. There was one thing or another getting in the way. And then I actually saw a version of it on VH1, I believe, where they filmed it live. I think it was for the 20th anniversary, maybe 25th. Right. And they showed it live, and I didn't realize that people just yelled the entire time, scream, you know, throw stuff. And uh, it's an event, but it's an event that I didn't really want to partake in anymore because for me, when it comes to movies, I lose myself in that world completely, and I don't want to be distracted. So <laughs> squirt guns and confetti and uh, people up on the stage, what do you call it, Shadow-rama? Yeah. That kind of thing bugged me. I think I've loosened up now that I could probably enjoy it. So it's it's airing this Saturday at our local theater, so I might go. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I would highly recommend going. It's really fun and interactive. You get to meet all sorts of people who are scantily clad and proud of it. <laughs> which I don't blame them. Well, I mean, like I said, it's a real fun event. I went to one uh, back in 2013. And how did you feel about I it? Was, I felt great, but I was pissed because I didn't dress up because I couldn't find my heels. Oh, so you don't have to dress up to go see it? I could just go as... No. Oh, nice. I yeah, no, no, no one's going to hate you for it. I'm just like, oh. I am... Um, I just felt so ashamed. I, <laughs> of the characters, I could probably play Brad if I put on a wig. Or I could play Riff Raff if I put on kind of a wig. Because <laughs> I'm bald. Yes, I know. Just just get some noodles. <laughs> just get some, like, just, like, cook some noodles, strain them, and then just, like, tape them around your head. I do have the physique of Rocky, though. Almost. I'm not... I'm not exaggerating either. I'm, I'm almost as big as... Oh, Rocky. Oh! <laughs> what is your favorite song? Uh, oh, gosh. I'd have to say... It's a debate between Sweet Transvestite and uh, Hot Patootie. Yeah. I, I, there's something that... Touch, a touch, a touch. It's Meatloaf. Me. I want to be dirty. There's something... Or, uh, what is it? Um... Yeah, I know. Was he a star before Rocky Horror? I thought he broke out afterwards. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure he was a singer before, or just up and coming. Right, but Bad Out of Hell, I think, came out right after Rocky, and uh, we were discussing this before, is that uh, his career kind of fell apart because he had some sort of psychosomatic thing keeping him from singing. It wasn't actually like he damaged the chord, it's like his brain itself was not allowing him to get to a certain point and so he kind of sort of retired started doing movies and stuff like that and then in a uh, 93 he came back with bad out of hell 2 and it was massive oh. and nobody nobody has yet to figure out hey, what is it that he won't do for love i won't do that you're like what what is it what won't you do <laughs> uh probably kill a man for a contact <laughs> bar <laughs> Was that, a, was that a possibility in the relationship? Yes, I'd like you to kill my father. Oh, what? Yeah, that's, I gotta go. <laughs> my ex-boyfriend, perhaps. <laughs> the one who you were replacing. Like, it's like, really? I have to fight to the death for you for this crap? Oh, come <laughs> on. No. Sorry, you're too superficial. You're too controlling. I'm not some man. I'm, I'm not to be on your leash. Bye, Felicia. The, uh, I, when he went back to the well one too many times. Bad out of hell three and nobody cared by then. I didn't even think it went platinum. It didn't. Nah, two out of three ain't bad. That's two. That's two. Not at all. No, yeah, you're right. I think that's why he wrote that song. <laughs> I, actually, I actually stole that from Jacob. I didn't think you were gonna come up with it. You said that last time, and I was like, mm. <laughs> I did, I did, I did. But now it's your turn, Michael. No, you. It's his your turn. I'm, I'm, I'm always saying shit. 
you didn't know that there was a semi-sequel. Shock Treatment, which uh, I absolutely right. adore, which most people despise this movie for one reason or another, including the studio that made it, and they decided, eh, we're going to dump it. And I don't even think it made, uh, I don't even know if it made a million dollars, and it uh, was lost on video for a very long time. It was very expensive to find a VHS copy of it. There is a DVD out there. I think it would be a brilliant choice to put out Rocky Horror Picture Show 40th anniversary with the soundtrack. Because honestly, why are you? Why are people putting together uh, new versions of movies yet not at any point have they gone? Oh, well, why don't we throw in the Footloose soundtrack with a movie or a Grease? Everybody knows these songs. Everybody loves these albums. Throw them in together. Indeed. And I'm although gonna throw in Shock Treatment. Oh yeah, Shock. Yeah, no. Uh, honestly, is that are Brad and Janet like in an asylum? Getting shock treatment? Is that uh, why the name? It's, okay. Are they being? Are they getting lobotomies? What it is? Enemas? A new cast, basically playing Brad and Janet. It's um, Jessica Harper replacing Susan Sarandon, and um, crap. I, I said I can't even remember now. Uh, man, I that guy that was in that one thing. Yeah, yeah, but I, I said the last time without even like uh, any pause whatsoever. All right, well, let's move on for there. But, uh, so... Cliff DeYoung? Cliff DeYoung, thank you. You are very fast. Uh, Richard O'Brien, Patricia mm. Quinn, and Little Nell, Charles Gray, all return, but as different characters. So it's kind of confusing. It's a sequel, but it's not. It's almost like it's in an alternate universe. It's as if it's on Earth 2, uh, where things are very similar, but so much is tweaked that it, it kind of throws it off a little bit. All right. Brad and Janet are now having trouble with their marriage. They go to Denton, USA, which is kind of mentioned in Rocky Horror Picture Show. You'll notice that there's a big billboard at the very beginning of the movie. And uh, mm. they decide to go on this show, which is it's it's reality TV basically before reality TV really took off. It's, uh, I believe, 1981. It's a mixture of game show, reality TV, and almost like Truman Show, they're living their lives out, but they're being viewed by an audience that sits in the, the, the chairs, you know, the um, stadium seating, and they never leave. They stay there day and night. Their lives are watching this show of other people living out their lives. It's very cerebral. It, the songs are not glam rock like the first movie. They're more new wave, and I think a lot of that really just turned the fans of Rocky Horror off. Most likely did. I'm not even sure if I want to see it, even out of even out of curiosity. Uh, the debate is strong. Oh, I must? Who you are must, you to you tell must. me what I should watch? Ah, Motherfucker. Ah, 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 ah. You'll, ne <laughs> you'll never find it anyway. It's it's kind of hard. You'd have to like buy a copy, I guess. Maybe I will find it one day <laughs> and I'll, I'll send it to you. Got it. Sounds, gla sounds glamorous and dandy. And uh, Richard O'Brien did announce that he is going to bring shock treatment to the stage. It's going to be playing in London. Uh, it said it's uh, debuted spring of 2015, so I haven't heard if that actually did. But hopefully he does. I really enjoy the movie. I would say 90% of Rocky Horror fans hate this movie. And even uh, more, I guess even less, uh, even though it exists. Oh yeah, no, hell, I didn't even know it existed. Now, there was going to be a proper sequel called Return of the Bitch. And I was, uh, when I rediscovered Rocky Horror a couple years after my original viewing, I became a huge, massive fan. And I, you can join, I think, the fan club right now. 
there is a Rocky Horror Fan Club. Like, I got my fancy little card and stuff like that. And uh, I remember them announcing, and this is like when the internet was kind of new and there was very few fan pages, so it was fun to discover. They were going to... Of course. They were negotiating with Tim Curry. They were trying to get a budget together. And it just never happened. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Uh, there is a Rocky Horror Picture Show official site under RockyHorror.com. It is a fan website, not run by the stew, but run by the fans. Uh, there's also an official page on Facebook. You can check them out. And Time Warp is the official UK Rocky Horror Fan Club, which you should check out. Dang. Yeah. So I'll have to look it up. They're not lacking in stuff to connect with people. That's the great thing is Rocky Horror Picture Show is one of those things where if you're a fan and you find somebody else that's a fan... It's it's a very special moment. It's like kind of like when a Star Wars fan meets another Star Wars fan no, instead of a Trekkie. This is different. Star Wars is so mainstream. Rocky awesome. Horror, Rocky Horror has gotten a little more mainstream, but Rocky Horror itself is kind of cultish. It, 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 you, you feel like you're in a different you, one of us. One of us. That's the only thing I think of from Freaks. <laughs> is that how you is that how you feel about it? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um. That is it for us with this episode. You can check out all those movies. They're all on Amazon. You can find those soundtracks. I want to say they're on YouTube, but they're also on Amazon. And uh, check us out on Facebook. We're under Video Night. We're also under Retro Rocket Entertainment. Everybody, welcome to Stumbling Towards Adulthood. Okay, so the, the opening song is a little long. It's a little long. It's a little meaty, but I want to get the whole point. Of the, it's, it's hard to... Okay, uh, I'm admittedly a Huey Lewis fan. I'm a little embarrassed. Okay, shut up. Don't judge me. <laughs> um, Tony, <laughs> Tony's on the other side waiting patiently to say something. How's it going, Tony? Hey, what's up, man? Um, so, if you didn't get the hint from the song, this song is about... Or this uh, episode is about jobs of our youth. Like, you know, we may be professionals we're skilled we got the talent now we know how to act like grown-ups but um not then not then at all i'm ashamed of some of the stuff i've done i had my jobs are, are you do you look back on some of the stuff you did and like cringe oh yeah for sure and i wish i could say i've done uh, i've finished doing cringeworthy behavior like that but uh yeah I, i'm constantly in a state of fuck uppery so uh yeah but certainly back then i was like yeah, I had no kind of self awareness. I would just do ridiculous shit, one thing after another, constantly. Yeah, I um, I did an episode a couple years ago where I talk about the stuff I did like during high school. So I'm going to skip my part of that. What was your very first like legit job? Mm, I think I think it was a caddy, oh, uh, and a, a terrible one at that. I mean. Um, I did only lasted like a few weeks. I feel my uncle got me the job at the Philadelphia Country Club, and yeah, you know, I must have been like so. You know, as you have to carry these golf bags, and I must have been like 112 pounds soaking wet. And like, uh, there's certain regulations. If you're a golfer, you're not supposed to have a whole bunch of extra shit in your bags. 
You know what I mean? Because cause somebody's carrying it for you. So you still both have a certain amount of clubs, a certain amount of balls, et cetera. And not just have your lunch in there, extra shit like a <laughs> umbrella or whatever else. And then this one guy is making me carry two bags, which is a, like one is a lot for a guy my size. But oh, two man. is like, Jesus. And um, two fully loaded bags. And this guy, it was like a, some kind of doctor or something, but he's just being such an asshole to me. And I have no idea why he didn't just get a golf cart. But I don't know, man. He was just, it was, I was horrible at it. And the other thing is, when you put the clubs down and they're like putting or something, you're not supposed to rattle the clubs or make any kind of noise. But me trying to take the bags off and putting them down quietly is a chore because, you know, I'm like a, ske- a walking skeleton. <laughs> and um, so like I'm like riding the clubs. He's yelling at me because I'm rattling the clubs. And, I, like, I think halfway through the course, I was like, you know what, dude? Fuck this. I threw his clubs down and, like, walked off. And then, you know, I basically quit. But not like it was, like, a job that you had regularly anyway. But I felt bad because my uncle still was a worked there and stuff occasionally. And just, like, he vouched for me. And I was kind of like a dick about it. But I just, I'd had it with this old, entitled, rich asshole. And, uh, yeah, so that was my very first job. It didn't exactly start off. You know, my uh, my work career with the bang there and kind of, you know. <laughs> well, seriously, in that situation, it's ridiculous. Are there wheels on these things at all? I've never golfed in my life. I've been to, like, uh, you know, putt-putt in the driving range, but I've never golfed. Have they added wheels to these bags yet? Well, they make them with wheels. I don't know, for whatever reason, it's like they want to have a caddy. You know, like they want to have, and I guess you could use them as, some like the better courses, better caddies, you could ask them what they recommend, but I had have no, I don't golf, so I wouldn't, couldn't tell you what to do, and I don't know why these guys just prefer to have caddies, you know what I mean, uh, like I said, sometimes they offer some good advice, but, you know, if you're offering, if you have like a 15-year-old kid, what's he going to tell you, you know what I mean, you should probably use a club with the kind of wedge head, because that can... I'm not going to tell him anything he doesn't know. Anyway, you know what I mean. So, anyway, I don't know, yeah, like why don't they? Why they don't just get a cart? I don't know, but I guess he likes to have somebody serve him. Maybe that's exactly that's what I was going to say. It seems what, like a servant. What thing. they get off on? Yeah, it's really, really bizarre. So. Yeah, it's it's funny. I I mean, how do you? How are you not crippled? You seem to have decent posture, and I would think that by now you'd be hunched over. Like, oh God, I can't move. Yeah, especially back then. I mean, I was just, like, really underweight and, you know. Yeah, but, like, again, this guy, I'm sure he had more than regulation what you're supposed to have in your bags for, like, for caddy use. But he was just, like, he was just so, I can't remember his name, but he was, like, a doctor, and he was known for being kind of a dick. And, yeah, his, you know, didn't, his uh, his reputation, you know, definitely preceded him, but he was, yeah, definitely a dick when I had him, and that was, like, that that was it for me. He was like the the last caddy, the last um, person I was a caddy to at that place, and I think ever again. But like, forget this guy and forget this line of work. I'm done. You know. How close was Caddyshack to the reality of what you were doing? Nothing. I, I wish it was cool like that, man. I, you know, but it was just like, I mean, there was a little area where the caddies hung out with at and like you know waited to. But, like, yeah, it definitely wasn't that cool. And, I mean, it was kind of a prestigious golf club when I was at, but it wasn't, like, the one in Caddyshack. Um, it wasn't so elitist. But, it, I don't know, it was just... And, like, half the time, there's nobody even there at the clubhouse. Maybe there's, like, three or four people, like, on rotation. You know what I mean? And the other thing about being a caddy is you're gone for, like, you know, like, however long it takes them to play the round of 18. So you could be gone, gone for, like, six hours. Oh, my so you're God. getting paid, like, maybe... 
get paid maybe $40, like $20, maybe a bag, which is okay when you're 15, but it's not a great day's pay if you're going to take you. Maybe you could do two different two different rounds, you know what I mean, if you start super early in the morning. But it's really, when in retrospect, not really a good amount of pay for the amount of work you're doing. You so know? you're not getting it's paid hourly. Just, it's not an hourly thing. It's a per bag. No, just exactly. Like a flat wage and then like $20 a bag at a time and then whatever they want to tip you, you know. So... If you did a good job, but you can get a decent tip. But if you suck like me, <laughs> almost almost no tip. You know, it's going to be guaranteed. So did yeah, you? it was just yeah. But like, and I, I never got there like at five or whatever, seven in the morning with somebody. Like, I can't do that. So. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. I, I was like, there. did you get up really early? Because that seems like the kind of thing. Like, I don't want to lift a hundred pound bag at five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I mean, my, I mean, my uncle like he would moonlight as a caddy sometimes, and that's how he would, like, he would be there. But I'm not going to spend my Saturday, like, at 7 in the morning, you know what I mean? Maybe you can get me there at noon, and I'm just doing it once, and I'm done. So, you know, 20 bucks under the table, I guess, is all right. $40 if you have to, you know, if it's your only job, it's fine. It's all cash, so, you know. Did you ever have to go in really shitty weather? Like, that someone just refuses to come in? You're like, I'm, we're going to get hit by lightning. We're carrying metal, and, and it's storming pretty bad. Yeah, most people, most of the golfers are pretty good chance not to golf in shitty weather. I mean, they don't want to golf. They don't want to golf weather as well as you not, you know, wanting a caddy. So I, I, it spritzed a few times, like a little bit of drizzle, which is like the extent of it. But I probably only think I've done it four or five times. And that was the last time was, was it for me, you know. So, yeah, had I had I not had that doctor, I don't know how much longer I would have uh, caddied for, but probably not much longer. Like I said, the um, – the, the pay uh, to work ratio wasn't very wasn't very good. You know, so it didn't really make a whole lot of sense to do that. Yeah, I uh, I walked out of McDonald's, and I know that for the next few months that I was trying out jobs. Like, oh, I'll just check this out. Oh, this sucks. This sucks shit. I don't want to be a dishwasher. I, I quit after the first day. You know, you're trying out jobs, or you just focus on school. Were you kind of expected to go immediately from that job to another job? No, you know, like I always did it as a favor for my uncle. He, like, you know, they asked me if they uh, um, want to. My mom wasn't really super, you know, uh, hardcore about pushing a job on me. She, you know, what I mean, she'd rather me like enjoy my life before I have to start the real world. You know, what I mean, would I have to have a job forever? You know, what I mean. So she made it a point to like, you know, I mean, it's not like she would give me any kind of money I ever wanted, but if I just need to borrow the money, like five dollars here or there, I was ridiculous about it. She was cool about letting me have some. She knew, like, eventually, you know what I mean, she was going to have to kick me out the door. <laughs> I was going to have to work forever. So, you know. Yeah, but, I just, um, uh, I kept telling people for the longest time, it wasn't until the last few years where I was really focused on full-time work. Well, I guess the last decade, full-time work. Because I was like, I have so much life right now that I need to live before I'm too tired to do it. And then I do want to just kind of pace myself at work, just kind of zone out. And I knew people who were like, the minute they graduated from high school, they're doing 40-hour full-time jobs. Some were even doing full-time and going to college at the same time. And I'm like, that's insane. I'm going to go have fun. Yeah, I think my next job uh, that I had, I think I was 18, and I worked as not really necessarily a telemarketer, but what's been called tele-research. So they would offer these surveys to people. And, yeah, I mean, I went to, was going to college full-time. It was my freshman year, and I was working close to full-time. And it would like, burnt me out so bad because I would, you know, start my day at whatever, 6 in the morning, uh, come home, you know, 4 or 5. You know, because my college, I think they, they trained my college campus and like, worked for up there. But I lived in the birds at the time. So by the time I trained, got back out, and so I got to my job, 
uh, when I was done, maybe I'd be done like 11.30 at night, midnight, and then I'd have to do the same thing the next day throughout the week, you know, and then God forbid I had an exam or uh, a paper to write, you know, an exam to study for or a paper to write. Yeah. You know, I could be like, you know, up to like 2 or 3 in the morning and having to get up like 3 hours later and then, you know, and then on my weekends, I couldn't do anything. I would just have to sleep because, you know, my friends want to hang out or whatever. I'm like, I can't, man. I'm exhausted throughout the So I, I, I do like a semester of that. I'm like, I can't do that. I can't work. <laughs> I can't work like this and uh, maintain my sanity. Or, or I got to, you know, fail out of college. So something's going to have to happen, you know. Yeah, I ended up getting a grant. And uh, that was helpful to paying some of the bills. But before that, it was always like barely squeezing by getting through a semester. And then you spend the whole time like... Uh, you know, at the commons, the cafeteria area, you know, you get a buffet, and I would load up so much food, and I remember filling my pockets and my backpack with it, and then they started cutting down on that because people were stealing the silverware. But I'm like, I'm fucking hungry, my metabolism is so high, I don't have time for a job because theater required that after all your classes, you have to fit in all this hours of putting the sets together and whatnot. So you're talking four hours a day for that, four hours for your art programs, your homework, your other classes. And I was like, I have no time to go work at McDonald's. Yeah, like I developed, um, this is like, you know, my early uh, early college uh, years. I mean, I developed like a caffeine habit. Like, I know it sounds stupid, like it's a different drug, but I would take Vibrin, which, um, oh, you Jesus. know, which are caffeine pills. And they say like it's safe as coffee, which in theory it is, but it depends on how much you have. Difference is like you can't like, down a whole coffee, a whole coffee pot, like in one sitting. But you can down the equivalent of a co- whole coffee pot in in vibrant pills, which is which I did probably moreover. And I remember, like you know, I just take popping vibrant throughout the day and drink coffee. And also, it was a cigarette smoke at the time, which in itself is also a stimulant. Nicotine is a stimulant. So I remember the one time on a Friday night after I got done school, I was hanging out with some of my friends, and I like guys got to pull over the car, pull over the car right now. I'm like, why? <laughs> like I had to get out and throw up. I was having like. Uh, you know, I was having cold sweats and I was shaking. And you know what I mean? It's like, dude, what, what are you on, man? I'm like, uh, Vibrant. <laughs> <laughs> like, like what? I'm like, I was like, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's safe unless you do too much, like me, and you're an idiot. But yeah, so like the work and as well as the school is just too much, too yeah. much, uh, too much, too much activity. I guess too much, and not enough rest and sleep. Yeah, I remember I was working at a. Uh, I got sick and tired of delivering pizzas. I did that for the. I did that for all of '96 and all of '97. Summer '98, I worked for like two weeks at Papa John's, and I was like, you know what? I'm just tired of doing this. I'm gonna go check out something else for a while. So I, I worked at a gas station in the early shift, like 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. or something like that, and then sometimes you would close. But mornings yeah. have always been rough for me, and I remember like barely being able to stay awake. And I chugged some coffee that wasn't working. Then I took uh, Vivran and or something similar to that, and nothing happened. So I just kept drinking the coffee, and all of a sudden it hit me, and I was going insane. And it was a slow morning. I had nothing to do. I'm literally pacing the floor, and it's a small gas station. You're not talking like one of your like truck stop gas stations where there's plenty of room to move. There's nothing to work on. There's nobody to talk to, and I'm literally walking in a circle. Just, oh, 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 I'm going to freak out, I'm freaking out, I'm freaking out. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, towards uh, the end of my college career, I got, like, a, uh, also a job at, like, a mom-and-pop gas station. And um, it also doubled as, like, a tow truck dispatch. So it was just really, it was a really odd uh, situation. And, uh, like, you know, it was, um, it was, like, a mobile, but they also had what's called friendly serve, where, like, you're supposed to offer to pump their gas, 
decided to do that once in a while, then, and then maintained the switchboard. And then it was just, I mean, it was just like a giant pain in the ass. And, like, you know, people would come there with, like, all kinds of issues that I couldn't help it with. I remember, it's almost like this was, like, some kind of written episode, but, like, like a car full of, you know, moderately attractive women, uh, you know, pulled up. And they asked me to, like, take a look under the hood. And this isn't, like, a service station, mind you. This is like, a <laughs> gas station. We don't do any body work. Or, I mean, you know, and I, we don't do any kind of auto maintenance. And they asked me to take a look under the hood. I'm like, okay. I'm like, so what do you think the, maybe the problem is? Like, I have no idea. I, mean, I don't do any. I don't do any auto work or body work here. I have no idea how to do work on your engine. Like, well, why did you look under the hood? Like, because you asked me to. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, so, so you can't help us out in your car? I'm like, no, I don't know. I'm not equipped to deal with that. I mean, I can bullshit you if you like. I don't know anything. I just got so mad and drove off the hub. But I wanted to be their hero, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like, I'll tell you what, young ladies. Well, he's off your cap and your flop ring has got a sprung gasket. And you let the guy, but you know. <laughs> We could drove off in the hospital with us. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, ours was a service station slash gas station. And um, I remember people would come in all pissed off that there was stuff to be done on the car or that it cost too much money. And I was like, I I am not in charge of that at all. I have never done any sort of maintenance on a vehicle besides taking it to a car wash. So save it for the morning when the guy that does that stuff is here. Thank you. Uh, would they would they be uh, super pissed off and like yelling at you and cursing and like why well, I never I've been coming here forever this is bullshit yeah and the funny thing is okay so I am going to admit right now um, as a teenager slash college age person I used to steal a lot I used to con a lot I thought it was normal it's what my father did I learned from my father I learned it from watching you. <laughs> Um, but I used to, like, if I was hungry, I, and you're surrounded by food, and I had a huge appetite, and I would just, like, go, hmm, there's eight pizzas in here. They have, like, those little, you know, mini swans pizzas. Um, there's eight of them. I think they'll not notice if I take one, and then eventually it turned into, I wonder if they'll notice if I miss, they're missing two, and I would just eat and drink like crazy, and, um... Six months after I left to go back to college, they went out of business, and I feel like I might be responsible for that. Yeah, I, I could get away with taking. Only thing I get away with taking was the coffee, coffee they had, <clears throat> which you know wasn't taking anything really. But everything was so like ridiculously in, inventoried. Like they made sure whatever I sold, I had to like write down what it was, and they knew how many units were in this. It was just like wasn't even worth it. Um, they had a whole like it was really micromanage. Everything I had to do was like letter of the you know letter of the law. Everything was like. So super strict. Um, I mean, they told me like, well, if you take this, make sure you know if you have more than twenty, make sure you drop it in the face. If somebody comes and wants to rob you, uh, or whatever, make sure you do not give them the safe combination. Like, I'm gonna think like, oh yeah, whatever, whatever this guy asks for at gunpoint, he could have. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, including the shirt off my back, fuck that. You know, I'm not getting shot for your mom and pop publication. And you guys are heavily insured. You know what I mean? So, get the hell out of here. But because yeah. keep on, this is like uh, a Philly suburb, and like you know, we're right off of Germantown Ave, which is like a dead shot right into the city. So anybody coming from anywhere can rob you and be right off track, you know, back in back in the city with no problem. So there's no way I'm letting this guy get away with. You know what I mean? Like I'm giving this uh, this potential robber any kind of you know flack. He <laughs> can like, yes sir, whatever you need. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I did have access to the safe. It was one of these rolling safes where once you got all the paperwork and everything done, you just put it in the little thing and, and rotate the handle and it would shove it into the safe. But otherwise, you couldn't get your hand in there. You couldn't get the combination. So anybody ever robbed me? And, and I got I got stuff stolen from me. Like, I always get distracted because I was stupid. Like, I'd have a guy come in and, and talk to me about something over in this corner while his buddy would take stuff. And uh, I remember people would pump the gas and then take off. And it just pissed me off so bad. That, that happened, similar to something happened to me where it's like, I'm really, you know, bad at math, like on the fly. So I remember I was like, uh, like working at the, uh, the Double Tree in um, uh, Northeast Portland, close to the Woods Center at the time. And this one guy kept making change, and then he kept changing the change, and then change for that change. I lost track of where I was. And he eventually ended up ripping me off by like, I think, 60 bucks because I couldn't follow. He kept changing his change. And then, like, I was like, knock it off, dude. What are you doing? You know what I mean? And it's too late, and like they had it on camera though. Like, ah, we know that scam. Like, it's not like you ripped us off. You know, I, I see what he ha- what happened. Next time somebody tries to do that, I just don't make make change for him once, and that's it. You know. Yeah, that but, happened to me when I was working at the movie theater. Someone had a hundred, and then he changed his mind, and then he had like, well, can you give me this and this? And they have that, and I hand it back to me. And then yeah. at the end of the night, I was like, why am I $20 short? Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> it seems like yeah, a lot of work yeah. though, on the con man's part to be $20. Ooh, I, I made 20 bucks. Yeah, you gotta be pretty sharp mentally, and it's like it's a popular scam. People do that. Like the problem is, I like I'm terrible with numbers, so if, you know what I mean. Like, I'm I'm like you know I'm like the wet dream when it comes to like you know the, the changing change thing. If I was like a math savant, you'd have a hard time, you know. Yeah, I, I, me, but we have a lot of con artists here. This whole town is filled with frauds and con artists. And when stuff like that happens to me now, I go. It's too late. You've already handed me this. I put it in the drawer. You want to change. You're going to have to do a different transaction or take what I give you and take it up to guest services and switch it out because as of this moment right now, we are done. Yeah. See, it's tough because especially if it's a, it's a job in guest service, you want to be as accommodating as possible, but it comes to a point where there's just, you can see they're trying to take advantage of you. So, you know, you just have to, like, if they realize when when being friendly is just, it's, it's not enough anymore laugh not this has this has to end now i don't care if it gives me a bad yelp review later or something <laughs> you know what i mean that's that's the way it has to be he's trying he's trying to fuck around um i think we've gone completely out of chronological order so i apologize i kind of jump around a lot so we had the caddy and what did you do after caddy so yeah so my next one i was uh i worked at the gas station just, just like you that's like um no wait sorry the caddy then i was uh, i worked at the, the tele-research well, oh, I can only do that for like about about like a about a semester and a half. Like I'm burning out. Then I did have, um, well, I think actually my next job, uh, believe it or not, before the the gas station one, I was um, a busher. So I was like a busher at a, um, an Outback Steakhouse. So gross! You're digging around that. people's food. Oh, nasty. Yeah, and then like they like made me a busser slash host slash barback. Everything instead of like an actual server where you can make actual you know decent money. So I had to do that for a while. Then I wanted to be a server, but like you know what I mean. But they just would not let me be a server because I guess they, I looked too much like a young punk to be able to. <laughs> and it, it sucked because I was I was 20 years old, and then there was a girl who was a server who was 18. But like yeah, but she just seems more professional than you. Like, oh, I, how do you know? Just give me. So I ended up quitting there and being a a busser at a different restaurant. And like they just did not like me there. They just. Um, they constantly accused me of being stoned, even though I was never stoned. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what it was about my vibe. Like, you just got taking busing seriously. Like, you really do realize this is busing, right? I mean, we're not, this isn't like uh, curing cancer. I'm not like, you know, performing open heart surgery. But, uh, so they just constantly accused me of being like stoned. Like, I, I'm just going to have to quit, guys, because this is bullshit. You know what I mean? Let me take a piss test. I can. I will take it. I will pass the flying colors, and then I'll quit. 
because, you know, it's just harassment. Yeah, so uh, these days yeah. you get sued for that, but you know, as a teenager, you don't know that shit. You, we got treated so terribly when we were younger because management knew that we were too naive to understand what our rights were. Yeah, I think I guess they figured they'd call my bluff and like, oh no, maybe I am. Oh, sorry, I won't. I won't be selling them. I'm like, no, I'm not selling. I mean, you just can't tell by looking at my face. You think I'm a young punk, and then it's like, nope, this guy's definitely stunned all the time. I'm gonna put end to this shit. And like another coworker. Like, I had a problem with my ear. Like, I just popped an eardrum. Uh-huh. And then, like, I, so I couldn't hear well in my one ear. And one, one manager's like, so I'm like, I'm sorry, can you please repeat? I can't hear that well in my ear. And he's like, you know what? I don't fucking like you. And I, he's like, you're an asshole. I'm like, I'm serious. There's really something wrong with my ear. I'm not trying to be a smart ass. But I guess I had that way about me. You know what I mean? And then, yeah. So then I ended up having to quit that place because, uh, just, like, things were not going well there, you know. I'm getting accused of being a stoner. And my manager out, outright told me he didn't like me. I was like a punk, so. I remember, that was like, well, as a teen, you know me as a grown-up, I'm, I'm absent-minded and kind of goofy and clumsy, it's just the way I am, and um, I remember I dropped something, and, and for some reason, the manager at Target, this is the first time I worked at Target, um, she brought me to the office, and the first thing out of her mouth is, uh, why'd you drop the chair, what are you, a retard? And I was like, nowadays, you'd be in so much trouble, but I was 18 and I didn't know any better, and I just let it slide, I was like, oh man, it hurt my feelings, should I quit, should I complain about this? Nope, take that shit and smile. <laughs> I had a manager call me a worthless sack of worm shit before, that was, <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was a little later down the road, but yeah, <laughs> insults are funny. <laughs> yeah, boy. Um, but, yeah, I was just thinking, you know, you, you're, when you're, what, what is a, Bus, uh, what did you say, a bar back? What exactly is that? So they just make sure, like, you know, if they need, like, a keg out of some place, um, go get it for them. If they need, like, some, some glasses from the uh, the dishwa- like dishwasher, fresh round of clean glasses, uh, to bring it out there. If they need any kind of cases or six-packs from the cooler in the back, to bring it out to them. If they're running low on stuff, uh, you know, side, bar- side um, work condiments, you know, lemon, blinds, etc. So... But that wasn't, like, your primary job. You have to do that in addition to being a buster, too. Oh, okay. I guess some people are full-time barbacks, but, um, yeah, at Outback, you just kind of had to float, you know, do what they needed at the time. Outback. And then, uh... I remember when yeah. Outbacks first came out, and everybody, like, blew their minds. It was like, what? What's a blooming onion? What? What, Australian foods? I mean, this is when we had, like, that weird, like, obsession with Australia during the 80s and early 90s. Well, no, th- yeah, well, see, the thing is, like, this came out, like, in the mid-90s in, like, suburban Plymouth Meeting, Pennsylvania, my sub- suburban Philly town. And the line almost, the wait every night was almost, like, two hours for, like, a good couple of months. It was oh such God. a novelty. And it was crazy. And I learned the story that, like, it was created by some guy in Florida <laughs> who, who liked Australia, who, like, just liked Australian culture and thought that good marketing gimmick to sell. And he was right, you know what I mean? It was, like, people fell in love with this for a while. And I couldn't understand, like, the allure. I was like, guys, it's really, it's not really all that special, but yeah. So like, there was nothing else like it in my town at the time. So yeah, every night people faithfully would like, you know, wait two hours for like a mediocre steak or you know, you know, burger or whatever. I'm like, and it was like for the longest time that was like such a big draw. Well, I so think weird. It's, that's during that era of the themed restaurants. Now, here's the weird thing: is with the exception of one day at Ponderosa, I have never worked in the restaurant industry. I have no patience for being a waiter. I have no memory for being a waiter, and frankly, I don't want to do the rest of the stuff because it seems gross. Just digging around, I, I wash those dishes, and I'm sitting there going, "Man, someone probably spit this out." All, all these germs, and, and, and the water was so insanely hot that I couldn't even feel my hands. They were so scalded for like two days afterwards. 
Yeah, I mean, I wish I could say that was my only restaurant gig, but I eventually... So, I mean, you, you only have so much experience on you can put on an application, so you kind of have to fall back into the same work, especially if no place is going to hire you in the meantime. So, like, after, like, I... Um, after I quit my, uh, you know, the restaurant job, uh, I mean, I guess I, I didn't really have another job. I mean, I guess if you want to cut an internship, I um, I was an intern at um, a radio station in Philadelphia for uh, a little bit, and then like, uh, I mean, I well probably after okay, so I was an intern there for a while with the promise of maybe coming, you know, being allowed to work there as a new hire after my internship was done and after like you know I graduated college, so. You know, I did, like, a semester of, like, you know, college credit. And then I did another semester of just, like, you know, pure volunteer work, just to try to show initiative, mm-hmm. to try to get a foot in the door. So, like, you know, they're all telling me, hey, so, like, when you, you know, get out of school, you think about maybe coming to work here? You know, I'm like, yeah, definitely. So, all right, well, we'll, we'll keep it half for you when you're done. So I graduated college. I come over and I'm like, hey, guys, and I'm like, oh, what are you doing here? I'm like, yeah, remember, I'm coming here to fill an application and, you know, you know, get possibly get a, get a job here like uh, we discussed. They almost act like they never saw me before. I was like, "Oh God, uh, yeah, just uh, go ahead and fill it out, and yeah, we'll uh, we'll be in touch." And then you know, so I do that. I'm you know, think, nothing. I'm thinking about maybe getting a job there, promotions, like you know, or programming or something. And then it turns out they gave my job to a person who was like you know still in college, working on their associate's degree. But you know, they liked her better, and she's more personable, I guess. And uh, I was like, ah, "What a kick in the balls that is!" Like you know, what I mean. You know, to like put in all this extra work and then still going with somebody who is technically not even qualified, but you know, when it comes down to it, it comes like who would they rather like to see around the office for? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. a, a cute, a cute bubbly thing like that, or, you know, a guy like me. So, I mean, I don't really knock them for that because the demographic is largely young male, you know, you know 18 to 34. And, uh, you know, when you go on promotions gigs, you want to see like a you know, dickhead like me or some cute little girl handing out whatever and, you know. So, I mean, I, I, mean, I understand it, but it still sucks. You know what I mean? Yeah, internships so. are rough because you're basically given, unless you get credit for it, you know, you're basically working for free uh, all that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then at the end, you're like hoping, oh, please, after this, take me on. And they're like, oh, no, we're, we were good. We just used you up and tossed you away. We'll find somebody else. Yeah, it's totally what it felt like. No, we we used for as long used for as long as we needed you. I mean, and I got something out of the deal for the maybe the first semester when I was using this college credit. But you know, after the second time, I'm like, you know, I definitely felt felt taken advantage of. But you know, there was no promises. I kind of knew that going in there. I was just just disappointed. I was disappointed by the fact that like, what the fuck are you doing here? Kind of attitude. I'm like, uh, geez, you know. Remember we kind of had a conversation, but so yeah, yeah so that sucked. And then I like um. So then after I graduated college, I kind of wallpapered the city with my resume for, like, the long going to TV stations, see if I could get a job writing transcripts or, you know, editing PSAs or something. And then I kind of got, like, a, a bite at, like, a little small TV station. And um, I had, like, a for some reason, they, offered, they, I, they uh, applied for a job uh, as a sales representative, something I was a sales rep, something I wasn't really, you know, uh, it, something I wasn't, you know, qualified to do, but I'm going to give it a shot. So I never forget this this possible interview. Like the, the morning of, so I'm trying to get ready. Uh, I'm really like behind the gun on time because I got to take the train into the city to like you know uh, uh, to apply. And then as I'm doing this, I'm like trying to dry my hair as fast as possible. And then like I put the hair dryer too close to my hair, singed the top of my head. You know what I mean? Oh my god! And I'm like I I, I smelled this burning hair. I'm like oh shit. So, like, 
top of my hair is burnt. I'm like, fuck, I can just maybe a little, little, little comb over to, you know, maybe they won't see that. Hopefully the burnt hair smell will go away last time I go to my interview. I take the train in. You know, uh, I got I got a little bit of time to kill before my, my interview because, you know, gosh forbid you don't want to be late. But there's no place to, like, like go, like, sit, wait for, like, you know, to go there. It would be different if I had a car. I could hang out in my car until it's time to, like, go in for an interview. I'm just walking around, pacing around, end up stepping in dog shit and simultaneously spilling coffee on my shirt. Oh, I'm like, God. oh. And then maybe there's, like, ten minutes till I have to go in. So I start my interview like, I'm like frantically trying to like, you know, kick off my shoes, like, you know, rub it on the ground and take care of any kind of dog shit and or smell. I have coffee on my shirt. I kind of strategically move my blazer over to cover the coffee stain, which I just happened. And then, heaven forbid, nobody's looking outside the window. They can see this happening. I can't really go anywhere, and, you know. What's that even doing uh, out here? Isn't that the guy we're supposed to be yeah. interviewing? <laughs> yeah. But what's this weirdo doing, you know, stomping off his feet? Like, hopefully he's not interviewing here. Anyway, so I go in there, you know, needless to say, I didn't get the job, you know. <laughs> Thankfully, he didn't say, what the hell is that smell? But, you know, <laughs> what if this guy should shit himself? I don't know. <laughs> He's so but, nervous. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I was just, that was just a shit. That was a shit, no pun intended, or maybe pun totally intended interview. And, uh, yeah, this did not go well. I've had I've had yeah, interviews where you know instantly that it's derailing, or you've said one little thing wrong, and you know, you're like, we might as well just stop here. But you keep going through it. But you, you know, you just like power through. You're like, I'm fucked. Just in your head, you're fucked. This doesn't matter now. And and I had one at a movie theater uh, for assistant manager. I was sick. This is right after I graduated college. This is dumb. Uh, I should have focused on what my degree was in. Um, but I remember interviewing at a movie theater for assistant manager and they're like, so what are your long-term goals with this company? I was like, well, I mean, I don't see myself here forever. I mean, I am 22 <laughs> or something like that. And, uh, I do have other ideas in mind, but I will enjoy working here while I'm here. Well, we're looking for people to be here the long term for the rest of their career. So I'm sorry, you're going to have to go. I'm like, fuck, I answered wrong. <laughs> Dude, I, I still have not developed the skill to make my bullshit not sound like bullshit. I know. I have friends back home who are like masters at it. I just can't. I can't seem to do it. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I, I just have the worst poker face. Why I have this weird thing now. If I don't give a shit, if I just like kind of just go, fuck it, I'll do whatever I want during this interview, I get the job. If I really want the job, nope, no way, no how, I'm going to screw it up so bad. Yeah, well, see, I can't even do that. So, like, you know what? I don't really need the job. I'll just be a bit aloof. Thinking like you know maybe it'll be like kind of how like you know office space I'll just you know wow them but that doesn't work either you know if I'm trying hard I fuck up if I'm kind of like you know blase about it this guy doesn't give a shit we don't need him and then I fuck up so I can't really find a happy medium and um, yeah so like it's like it's like like, what do you see yourself in five years what do you think you could bring to this company like ah so 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 why do you want to work here I'm like. I don't know. I have this thing about where I need money, and I have to have a job to work. I have to have a job to have money, so that brings me here. You know? Can I tell you the dumbest answer I've ever given for that? <laughs> it's, it's 2009. I shit you not. I was living in over in Milwaukee neighborhood, and uh, I went up to Clackamas Mall, and they were hiring for one day, just for Black Friday, one day at Old Navy, and she said, um, so why do you want to work here? And instead of going... What does it fucking matter? You only need me for one day. You know, I, I go, yeah. I like clothes. God damn it. In my head, I'm just going, God damn it. Why'd you answer that way? 
And and I had nothing. I was so embarrassed that I just kind of stood there like a deer in headlights. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go. I'm just going to go. I'll, I'll, I'll show myself out. Yeah, I, I feel like I get grilled harder than other people. I don't know what it is. I feel like, you know, I, I probably like, you know, on Google, like some places, some places like, um, you know, uh, like Moral Code or they're like, you know, like, like for Whole Foods or something. And then um, and then I'll like say what it says there. But like, well, explain. Well, how do you mean? I'm like, what do you mean? What, what do you mean? What do you mean? I mean, like, I don't know how to be, you know. And then you just now now here comes the bullshit spinning, and now they can kind of see right through it. Maybe that's their plan. Like, this guy seems a little too planned. Let me throw him off his game. I mean, it's not hard to throw me off my game. Just you know, just ask me to elaborate. Like, oh fuck. Yeah, I feel like I've become instantly become Tina from like Bob's Burgers. Like, oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I hate it when they ask you like, "What are your hobbies?" I'm like, "What does it fucking matter?" Uh, my hobbies are practicing my guest service skills and speedy movements. <laughs> uh, I want I want a lot of agility so that I'm able to move fast on the floor, possibly with stock. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's a transferable skill. Don't you agree? Because I my hobby is guest service, so I feel like I'd be I fit in great here. I feel like I should just answer once. I want to take an interview. I thought about writing a book where I had a different job every single week of the year, like completely different. And then I was like, oh, my God, the work alone and just going through the interview process. But I want them to just ask me once. And I want to go, oh, my hobbies are um, watching porn for five hours and immediately hating myself afterwards. <laughs> I feel disgusted with myself. I need to work here so I stop watching porn. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so after that shitty interview, what what did you get for a job? Oh uh, well, see that's the thing. I had to like just take like um, I just had to like take like uh shit jobs to like to get me through. And so so like so after that didn't blew up in my face. I uh, got a job at it's so weird. I got a job at like um like a retirement slash nursing home. Oh no. Which it's weird thing is this used to be my elementary school. Like it used to be Spring Elementary School that they turned into like a convalescent home. And I'm like. Seems I've almost come full circle. I guess the circle will be totally complete once I become a resident here, as you know, when I get retired. You know, I was a student here, and now I'm a worker here. And I guess eventually, if I ever retire here, then they like, you know, the cycle will be complete. But uh, yeah, so I was like, I was a server there at like their dining hall, and uh, so I guess I don't know. These old folks would come from the room. They'd have food there. I guess it, it, you know, it's a social thing. I guess they, you know, made us feel like they were at a restaurant or whatever. And I would take their order. Um, and then some people had like, you know, no cheese. So whatever food they wanted, I would have to throw that in a blender and make them into a nice little burger or chicken salad shake for them, which is gross. But I would have to do that and then like serve them their meals and, you know, and make sure they, so a lot of them had orders ready before I got there, especially in the morning. I'd have like, you know, like their juice and their, you know, their dietary prescribed meal plan, you know, and. They needed stuff. They wanted something. You know. But what always threw me was like, you, you would order something. Like, oh, what is this? I don't want this. Like, you fucking ordered it yesterday, <laughs> last night. It was ready for you. But, like, like, oh, I can't eat all this. Why do I have so much? Like, I don't know. You don't have to finish it. Just eat what you can. <laughs> but they're like, you know, they don't want to be wasteful. But I guess, you know, from their generation, they don't yeah, want, yeah. want to waste food. But I was like, dude, I mean, <laughs> why, is this, why is this a mystery to you every day? He works the same thing almost all the time, you know. But. I, I applied once for a front desk position at a retirement facility. And I think back now, 
And I'm like, oh, thank God I didn't get that job because where I work now, there's a lot of older people who apparently have all the time in the world to tell you pointless, ridiculous stories that I don't want to even be part of. And I can't imagine yeah. that would be my entire job at that retirement facility. I'm like, all oh, right, here we go again. Yeah, you're stuck at the desk. You can't escape. They got nothing else to do in all kinds of times. Oh, oh and, and there's the always story. like a 50-50 shot if they're going to say something wildly inappropriate. The other day I was working on something, and, and I was talking about a transfer to a different store. And they're like, oh, that's where they put all the Mexicans. I, I don't think it's very safe over there with all those Latinos. And I'm like, all right, casual racist lady. You don't even know me. Just throw oh. that out there. Yeah, now you bring that up, I would get that smile. Like, how do you feel with working out some of these other colored people? Like, you don't know how to respond to that answer. Like, I know, no. It's it's okay. I mean, wait a minute. Wait, they're not. Then you can't say that. I mean, you don't want to answer them, but again, you don't want to not answer them because you're telling them to be rude. It's like, ah, how do I? Well, you know what? Uh, I'll yeah, let's put a pin in that conversation. Let me get back to this order over here. And like, never. <laughs> I, I, I ne- never address it. You know, I don't want to be a part of the racist conversation. There was one where a gentleman walked up to me, and uh, first off, it started off with, like, talk to me about the store, like, the products we carry, and I'm like, all right, where is this going? And then he's talking about the company, I'm like, all right, where is this going? I feel like he's winding me up for a pitch, and then he just kind of casually goes, yeah, and Fox News is, frankly, the only network that's being upfront and honest with you, and I couldn't help myself. <laughs> <clears throat> all right, <clears throat> I gotta go. I gotta go now before you shoot me. <laughs> Come on, Fox News says they, they claim they're fair and balanced. They say they're fair and balanced. You got to take them at their word. Oh yeah, of course. Like, yeah. They no longer they no they no longer use that anymore. But it's funny for the longest time they claim to be fair and balanced. It clearly, it clearly they're, they're the same people. Them. The marketing wizards behind that are the same ones behind Taco Bell selling. Hey, it's the healthiest healthiest of all the fast food places. I'm like, no, that's <laughs> like saying you're the less shitty of shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh but yeah, so after I got had that job, so immediately after college, you know, but like I that was my job, and then I was like twenty three at the time, and then I got a job at um, both of these are down the street from my house, mind you, because I didn't have a car, which really limited the amount of jobs I can get, you know, because I couldn't really drive anywhere. So this job was down the street from my house, and then I got a job at another uh, place down the street from my house. This place it seemed like a cool job. It was called Evidence Music. It was a blues and jazz label. Nice. So I'm like, oh, that's a yeah, it sounds cool, right? And it's cool to tell people you do that. Uh, but, like, the pay was just so terrible. I think I was getting, like, maybe $10 an hour, which was, wasn't so bad in 1999, I guess. But the guy, you know, my two bosses were super rich. They had such a small office, maybe, like, three people, myself included. They could have paid me whatever they wanted. I mean, their guy's driving this, the guy's driving to work in a 1999 Ferrari. It's brand new. My other boss, you know, the two people who own the place, which would be like a 99 Porsche. And then the outside other cars we would rotate. I'm like, geez, you guys are making money hand over fist. And they refused to pay me any more than $10 an hour. But it was fine, I guess, at the time. I was just saving up money because I was planning on moving. I was like, I, I got to get out of this town. What were you and doing then, for the label? Oh, so, like, I was in charge of, like, inventory and shipping. Okay. So, like, I would match. So they had, like, a catalog of blues and jazz label uh from other, and then they also had their independent stuff that they, they had the label that they ran, mm-hmm. um, the evidence, the evidence music label. So I was in charge. This is like kind of before like internet ordering was really big. So I would just be charged of shipping CDs all over the country, all over the world, you know. And uh, yeah, so I would you know send up promotional stuff and you know manager and et cetera. And I did a lot. I actually did like a lot of work for the, for the amount of pay. And then. Um, I came to a point to it. I was like, it was 1999. I had made up my mind. <clears throat> I was going to move to Biloxi. 
and uh, I figured if I can't get a good job and make any kind of money, at least I could make shit money in a place where the uh, cost of living is super low, and I could, I could, you know, I can live off this wage. Places where I make like, you know, nine, ten dollars an hour, and like the cost of rent is like a thousand dollars in suburban Philadelphia and in Philadelphia. Uh, so there's just no way, no way to feel the feel the functional adult, you know. So. So I did that for a while. My boss was like, there's nothing I can do to get you to stay here and not move. Like, you have to pay me more than $10 an hour. And he was like, uh, well, sorry to see you go, but <laughs> I guess you'd have to go. I was like, come on, dude, you make fun, you're so rich. And then he's like, do you have any friends you might want to do this? I'm like, no, I don't have any friends who are like my age or even relatively younger who would take do this job for the amount of pay you're making. Like, well, I guess I'm going to have to get like a 16 or 17-year-old kid. Like, yeah, good luck with that, man, because, you know, They'll give you a shit job. They'll give you the, the same quality yeah. the 16-year-old, 17-year-old does. Yeah, well, it's a lot of responsibility for low pay. 16-year-old, 17-year-old, they, won't, they don't mind having a low-paying job, but they want low responsibility, too. Yeah, they're so, going to be like, well, I, I have homework. I can't come in today. Right. So this was like, this was a 10 to 6 job, like a 9 to 5, but the hours are 10 to 6. So they're not going to do this. Nobody's going to do this money for Friday. Even if you want somebody in college, you know what I mean? They have to go to school, too, so it's going to be hard for them to commit to that. I mean, I was only able to do it because I just graduated college, you know. So if you wanted this to be, for me to be a possible career going forward, you got you got to increase the wage, man. I can't, you know, this isn't, this isn't a functional functional living wage. And they're just like, well, man, sorry to see you go. I guess I'll go for something else. I'm like, yeah, good luck with that, man, you know. <laughs> you know, more power to you. How did, uh, what did you end up doing in Biloxi? I'm surprised you didn't go to New Orleans since you had, like, kind of a history with blues that you would go there. Instead. Yeah. Well, okay, so when I was in college, I got this Wall Street Journal Cost of Living Index city by city, and I thought my major would be best served in a smaller market, you know, Philadelphia being a large market. And I was told by one of my professors that, you know, your job, you know, you might have better luck starting off in a smaller market before, you know, transferring to a larger market. So I think maybe that's just what I have to do. So, like, I had a uh, city by city um, comparison of, like, cost of living and, you know, how much how further, further your dollar will go. And it came down to, like, this sort of thing, like, I think it was called Charlottesville, West Virginia, uh, as opposed to Charlottesville, Virginia, which is a nice town, but, like, tough to, you know, tough to make it there. It was Charlottesville, West Virginia, San Antonio, Texas, and uh, Gulfport slash Biloxi, Mississippi. And I ended up getting a job, you know, at Biloxi and Gulfport just because I could see, you know, the job right off the water, you know, like, you know, right on the, right on the coast, hour and a half from New Orleans, you know. I figured, yeah, you know, even if I can't get a decent job, at least you know, the scenery is nice, et cetera. So I ended up going there, and, like, you know, in retrospect, I should have just went right to Portland, you know, like, you know, you can, you can make things work no matter where you want to go as long as you know how to budget, but I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. But, you know, at the time, you know, at the time I thought, like, I got to make the most bang for my buck, and then I ended up not being able to get a decent job in my field. But lucky either because... You think it'll be impressed by like a you know a college degree from a nice big market in Philadelphia? It was anything but the but but that they they were skeptical of somebody from like you know a big city, some Yankee, you know, oh, from north from from northeast. They wanted somebody who went to the University of Mississippi or Tulane or University of Mississippi or Mississippi State. You know, a good old boy who maybe they they golf with their parents before, they know where they're from. They were skeptical of an outsider. So I couldn't get a job at a decent radio station, and I played phone tag with them forever. But eventually, I ended up getting a job at a restaurant again. You know, oh. this time at an O'Charlie's in Biloxi. So I, I, I was only able to get that job because I had experience. You know, but yeah, so it kind of it definitely kind of sucked. So you know, I was led to believe I, you know, maybe so impressed by like a degree from like you know a, ma- a major market, but it was anything you know but that when I got there. 
I remember yeah. when I first graduated, I was uh, immediately I had to make money. Um, my father pressured me greatly instead of like looking for theater jobs or whatever, just let me do something different. He was like, you got to get a job immediately. And I remember like going to the mall in the city or whatever and like, why am I fucking applying for these jobs? And then eventually getting a job at Blockbuster. And they were still, he was still pissed off at me because I had to drive a half hour to get there. He's like, you realize how much you're spending on gas, how much where are you putting on your truck? I'm like, at least it's movies, you know? I mean, it's not, you know, theater or radio, yeah. but it's it's movies. At least it's something I'm interested in. And I liked working there until I got uh, a better job working for the state at the Parks and Rec Department. Paid well, but it was only a summer thing. So fast forward, like, six months later, I have no job, and I'm back delivering pizzas. Yeah, that, that is that is kind of kind of a bummer when you, like, you know, you, you, you kind of have your hopes and dreams geared to one way, but you got to take something else just to get by, and you end up doing that, like, longer than you wanted to. Um, like, uh, I remember, like, um, so I was working at this job at, like, a restaurant in Biloxi, and, like, I kind of moved. Part of the reason for me to moving, too, was to get out of bad habits, you know what I mean? Like, I was trying to, like, I was, like, 24, I was trying to stop drinking so much, you know, because that's kind of what you do. That's how you meet people, and that's how you socialize. It's revolved around going out to bars. You know, I kind of want to get, all my friends were heavy drinkers and pop smokers and, you know, whatnot. And I was trying to get away from that lifestyle. So I go to a restaurant, you know, thinking I'd get away from that. And mind you, like, I'm living at a motel at the time. Like, I moved there, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm living at a motel pay, paying week to week, you know. Oh, that's going to be rough. It's a bag, trap I've motel. I've done that. I've done Ooh, yeah, nearly going broke. And then, yeah, that's the thing. So, like, you're you're paying like a couple hundred dollars a week, you know, but only because you can't get a cheap. I couldn't find an apartment yet. I can move into, so like, you know, barely making, you know, make, making ends meet. My friends were like, hey, you know, my friends and coworkers, what are you doing after work? I'm like, I was gonna go home. We're gonna go that 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 hotel you live in or that motel you live in. That roach trap I was like, well, yeah, that's what I planned on. I was like, nah, nah, you gonna come out with us for a little while. I'm like, thinking, well, I don't have any friends, so all right, why not? And then, like, you know, we're going to the bar, so I'm like, well, I don't have any money, guys. Everything is blown on rent. Like, nah, 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 we'll take care of you. I'm like, fuck. So then you fall back into this, like, getting done work at, like, 11 o'clock. You know, bars don't close in Biloxi because it's, like, there's there's casinos there and stuff. So, like, they're open, like, almost 24 hours a day. There's, like, the 2 o'clock closing, like they have in other cities. So I'm, like, drinking until the wee hours, you know what I mean? Getting, getting shit-faced almost every night. I was like, oh, this is exactly what I was trying to avoid. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to slow down. Yeah, you know, it's, so it. it's weird. I could have gone on to a different college. I only have a two-year degree, and there was idea of me like going to UCLA, uh, even like IU, you know, something like that. My grades were decent enough. They weren't great, but they were decent enough. And I, I kept putting it off. I was like, I'm so sick of school. But then you sit there one day, and you realize I graduated from college. I'm looking at all my friends who've also graduated, and we're doing exactly the same damn thing we did four years prior we're sitting around, yeah. watching movies, working shit jobs, shit life, small town, and it's just like slowly eats away at you. And, I'm, I'm, and my my family had this idea to go to California, and I'm like, oh, God. You get kind of scared at first. You're like, it's a huge yeah. change. It's not just like to Fort Wayne, which was next to us, you know. It's a huge change. And at the time, I was scared, but I don't regret it now, and I'm so glad that that's what we did, even though I'm still yeah. working I shit jobs. Like... <laughs> I, I remember when I had to move away from Philadelphia. I did it by myself, which people thought was ridiculous. And like I didn't move to the city where I didn't know anybody. I'm like, God, it's kind of what I want, though, man. I can't really, you know. I mean, there's nothing going on for me here. I mean, I can hang out with my childhood friends, which is great. But I mean, I was just like, you know, you, you be at the bar and you see this guy and you start talking to him, like you know, a guy lived in that town forever. 
And it was like, you know, he all, you know, everyone's pipe dream was going to California for whatever reason. I guess they figured they'd make a big once they get there. But not only, like, you know, did he never do it, he never even, like, tried. He was like, yeah, I didn't know anybody, so I just chicken out. I'm like, and so now here I am, you know, years later at this bar, you know, as a roofer, I'm like, you know, what would you be giving up if you didn't even take a shot? You know what I mean? You could have come back to the same old thing, you know, just the fact that, you know, You'd be too scared to like take a risk. Is what really holds people back sometimes. You know, you just like you just. I'm afraid of the unknown. You know, yeah. but that kind of, that's definitely what I embrace. Like I don't want the I don't want the same rigmarole. That's what's killing me right now. You know, people wonder why I move around so so much. You know, I worked surveillance for a while. And I remember that interview. He just looked at me kind of funny. He's like, "You move around a lot. What's up with that?" And I wanted to go. Well, I was sprayed with gamma radiation, and uh, during the accident, I turned into a rage-filled monster and I accidentally killed one of my lab pay, um, labs, you know, team. So I'm on the run right now from a crazed reporter who won't let me go, and the cops are after me at every single time. But don't make me angry. Don't make me angry. But yeah, but then I, then I stopped, and I was like, okay, don't say any of that. Just say, um, I'm kind of a gypsy. I just get kind of bored of stuff. I move around, but... I'm thinking about settling down now. I'm nearly 40. You know, I just, just tell them whatever bullshit story you want, and I only lasted nine months right. of that stupid job. Yeah, cross-country grifter. Is that okay? I guess I can admit that to you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but, my uh, nickname's Rusty yeah. Nail. <laughs> <laughs> I would drive around in a truck and uh, kill, kill drifters. Right. So, I mean, after, like, I worked at that job for a bit, I eventually just got burnt out, you know, working at this fucking restaurant. I mean, I started off as, like, um, as a busser, and then I became a line cook, and I can't even cook. You know, I'm like, I'm oh, terrible. No. I can make the... I, well, I can't, like, I'm not a national cook. Like, yeah, like, you know, it tastes good. Like, one of these guys, these TV chefs, whatever, you just kind of, like, do things by ear. I have to have, like, a, a set of specs or recipes that I follow. And I can make, you know, the corporate recipes for the whatever, oh, Charlie's... Uh, you know, meals, a lot of they follow the recipe, you know, but I can't make, whip something up on the fly. I'm not skilled like that, you know. I'm not a natural chef. So I did that for a while. I can't Burned the shit, fuck man. out of my arms. My idea of yeah, burn the boop, beep, boop, click. <laughs> yeah, that was, and that was mine before, before there, too. So I was like, fuck, I got to saute and deep fry and all this crazy shit. But, uh, so, but as long as I followed the specs, it was fine, you know. But, like, I'd always end up getting the shit, the shit jobs. Like, I think... Thursday, every Thursday was wing night, and I had to be in the fry station for wing night. I was like, fuck, man. And I was just like, yeah, it was just horrible. Well, I eventually got burned out, man. I ended up having to quit that. And then, like, a coworker of mine from time, like, got a job at a hotel, a casino slash hotel. I was like, hey, man, I'm, I'm the concierge of this hotel. You want me to put in the work for you for your job there, front desk? Because I was like, yeah, anything to get me away from this hot-ass fucking grill that you find <laughs> make. <clears throat> so, yeah, I ended up being a front desk clerk for, like, the longest time. And uh, if front desk fucking blocks, you meant to be kind of sucked because it was at a hotel and casino. And, like, it was – so if you get a free room paid for by, like, the casino, some of your player points, whatever, like, yeah, the room is free, but you still have to have something down for the incidental charges. Yeah. And they, they could, you know, case of any amenities ordered, you know what I mean, or, like, you know, room service, paper movies, et cetera. And they just couldn't seem to get that to their head. Like, yeah, I was like, well, if you want to put a credit card down, we won't charge it, but just in case, you know, we have to have that down. It's kind of like an insurance policy. I'm like, well, I'm not going to do any of that, so you don't, you don't need it. I'm like, uh, if it was up to me, I would say no, but unfortunately, it's the policy. You know, I wish I could take you out of your word and you wouldn't do any of that stuff, but, you know, not, not my policy. Like, well, I, I want you to leave a credit card. I'm like, well, you can leave $100 cash deposit, which we can refund back to you upon checkout. If we don't make any charges, then they're like, yeah, I like I just stabbed their daughters. 
Fuck you, oh, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. No, the I'm cash not deposit anyone. thing, they, yeah, don't, but, they don't understand any of it. Like, why would I have to? Yeah. What do you think I'm going to do to this room? And I'm like, it doesn't matter. It's kind of policy. It's everybody. Uh, everybody. Well, I told them, like, theoretically, you could charge, you could run up a bill way higher than $100, and we would have to eat it because you left only left $100 down, and you could walk away free. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, you know, so it's like not that far, it's not that far out of, you know what I mean, out of the realm of possibilities. And they're like, then they'd like, okay, well, here, take this card. And then, like, a fucking gas card. And with, like, it doesn't have, like, a Visa or a MasterCard endorsement, just a plain old, you can only use this at, like, a Sunoco. I was like, yeah, I can't. This this only works at, like, a gas station. You can't leave it down. I like, well, I have a credit card. I'm like, I had someone yeah. hand me their Blockbuster card, and I kept telling them, man, this isn't a credit card. <laughs> of course it is. It's my Blockbuster card. It's what I charge movies to. They they have, like, a deposit. No, this is not actual money. There's no magnetic strip. I need, like, a Visa or a MasterCard or something. No, that yeah. isn't. It's like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. Why am I having these conversations? Yeah, so I guess they figure when they use the gas card at the station, it comes out, they're checking the deposit, so we would have somehow access to the same database. I, I don't know what the reasoning is. Like, no, it has to be, like, endorsed by, like, Visa or MasterCard or Discover, maybe. But uh, but it's just, the way it's set up, you can only use this. But also, with, like, a, gift, like a you know, department store card, you know. You can only use this at a department store or a gas station. You can't use this here, unfortunately. Like, what's the fuck thing to do about it? I'm like, well, um, you can either get a different card, uh, you could leave some cash down, like I stated earlier, or you could possibly get the, um, you know, the pit boss, or the, or the, the you know the, the the players club host to vouch for you and put their name and they would like you know eat up any expenses. That's a big if. I don't know if they want to do that for you. It depends on how big of a player you are, you know. But if I even suggest that, and then they go and tell them, and then then the, the tip off he pissed off at me. Like I suggested it, yeah. but it's just like that's just you know that's just those are the options. So you know there always be you know a whole thing. And then okay, oh, this would always crack me up. We would like you know if they have enough points in their cards. We would mail the players club would uh, mail them um, coupons saying that you have enough credits for a free room. So they would come in with like they would drive us maybe four states away from Arkansas down to South South Mississippi with this thing on a Friday night. Like so, yeah, I'm here for a room. So I should have a room reserved for me because I got the flyer set to me. Oh, I was God. like, well, <laughs> what it is is they're letting you know you were able to, but you have to call and make a reservation. You can't just come here randomly on a Friday night and expect there to be a room available. We're completely sold out. We're overbooked at that. Like, why the fuck you send this to me then? I was like, uh, you know, we don't know. They don't know when you're going to perhaps have, perchance have the opportunity to use this. That's why you got to call and make a reservation and see if there's an availability at the given day you want to come down. You can't just make, like, you know, a 10-hour drive and expect there to be room. I wish there was, but I'd be all pissed off and leaving the hospital. I was like, I can't believe, <laughs> I can't believe, that, you know, they thought we had a special block of rooms reserved for, this, <laughs> for the offense that you, that you made happen to drive down at that. You make it a hair up your ass decide to drive down, like, you know, 12 hours. We'd have a room reserved for you and just you. I was blown away. The stupidity sometimes just blow you away. It's like, I don't even know how to respond. I don't even know how to go forth in this conversation. Yeah, the uh, I worked at a small boutique inn, and it clearly shows on the website, boutique inn, it shows we only have, like, 20 rooms total and, you know, what the amenities are. And I kept getting people coming and going, what, there's no air conditioning? We live on the coast. It's always windy and cool here. I'm hot. I'm hot. Yeah. I need I need I need something. I go, We have a ceiling fan, that's not gonna work. Where's your pool? We don't we don't have a pool. Do you have a restaurant or something I can sit in the air conditioning? It's like no. You saw the building when you pulled in. <laughs> it's a sliver. It, you know, I mean it's there's no way any of this is gonna fit in. What are you talking about? Well I want my money back. We already have the deposit. You knew what kind of hotel this oh my god. Oh, this is the Marriott courtyard, buddy. I mean, what do you expect? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not kidding you when I said it was 20 rooms. It was just top, 10 on the top floor, 10 on the bottom floor. You got an office and a breakfast room. That was it. And they're always like bitching about the breakfast. I think you guys were going to have a full breakfast bar. You saw the room. It's the size of a closet. You just walk in, you grab your snacks, you get out. That's it. Oh, man. Another thing is, so, okay, so suppose, suppose they did leave a debit card down. So what, what happens when you put, you know, either you're paying for a room or even if you're leaving it down for incidental, it runs an optimization. And then if you were to use that same card to check out with, then it would charge the card. But the authorization is still on file, and it doesn't drop off for, like, a few, you know, three to five business days, oh, depending yeah. on when you come in, and, you know. And then, like, a, then they would, like, you know, they would, if that's all they would, they would even paycheck to paycheck, they would bounce a check because they don't realize that the authorization has, you know, has, was still on there. And then they called, piss me, you, you're holding, you, you double charged me, you're holding all my money. I'm like, we didn't double charge you with an authorization. I'm like, you can call your bank, have them, you know, drop the, the authorization hold, but yeah, it has to be between you and the bank. Well, you call them then, like, fine, <laughs> what's, have to give me your phone, I'll talk to them. Yeah, and it's you always know? a Saturday. It's always on Saturday, and you're like, well, everything's closed yep. for the next two days. It's it's impossible to do it right now. Why do you need that money right now? I'm like, you should have thought this out first. Yeah. This is the first hotel yeah, you've ever stayed five, in. <laughs> exactly. Three to five business days are the keyword, too. So they come on a Friday, you know, not, it's not even going to start till Monday. So, yeah, it was really, really sucked. And then I would have to get so that, so because people weren't realizing this for the longest time, I would have to go through this long spiel. But hey, if you leave your debit card down, just keep in mind, if you're going to run an authorization, and, and as well as a charge, and then like I would give them this long, detailed spiel. I thought I was being as thorough as possible. And they'd be like, hey, after I said this whole thing, and they'd be like, huh? I'm like, oh, what, what part didn't you get? We're going to repeat the, repeat the whole thing seriously? They're like, excuse me? I'm like, oh, wow, wow. Uh, so, like, I got a line of people behind this person, and they're like, wow, it's going to be a long fucking shift. And they're tapping their foot that they want to check in. And I, I got to repeat the whole spiel of this dummy four times. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. They, then, uh, like, you know, quick, quick. they decided that we needed to show everybody to their room instead of, like, I'm like, I'm the only person here. I have a line of people ready to check in. I'm supposed to show each person in the room. I can't show them on the map. No, you need to take them down there. I was like, theoretically, that's not going to work because the rest of the people are going to be furious that I just left the counter and then they're going to be waiting and waiting and waiting. And I, sometimes customer service is, um, what do I want to say? The person who thought of the customer is always right was a clueless asshole at some corporate office who never actually helped people before. Yeah, I mean, I would get peppered with insults and like... Uh, Especially when I was in the Biloxi and you get the casino crowd because you're half drunk. Oh, so okay. one guy told, told me, to, he told me, you can kiss my rebel ass. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm, what I'm supposed to say is nothing, but what I said was like, yeah, I don't think so, buddy. And that is, that's a big no-no. Not supposed to like, you know, what are you guys being rude and insulting to me? And yeah, this one I mean, lady was you're like... never allowed to defend yourself. That's so irritating. Yeah. This one lady was like, no, I'll fix it. That's bullshit. I was like... I was like, and then I repeated it again. I was like, I don't understand. I was like, I was like, am I speaking Greek? I don't understand, which I shouldn't have said that either. But I just had enough, man. I was like, I'm trying to talk to you person to person. I mean, you're treating me like I'm a, like I'm a fucking like automated, you know, robot. They just, you know, they keep repeating the same spiel over and over again. I um, I was working at a movie theater, and um, there was a kid who had snuck in with his friends. I had literally seen them come in the back door. Like one bought a ticket and let the rest in. And uh, I went to confront them because management was upstairs putting together a film, and the other guy was down in the lobby. So I'm the only person working the floor. And I walk up to the one guy, and I was like, um, do you have your ticket? And he goes, no, I threw it away. I go, well, I need to see a ticket. Why would you throw it away? Um, and he goes, I don't know. I just thought I should just throw it away. I didn't need it. I'm going to get into the movie anyway. I was like, well, no, in order to prove that you bought a ticket for a movie, you're supposed to have it, you know, you're supposed to have it on you. 
and uh, and I and I said something I shouldn't have said, and I said it's just common sense. And he goes, "What are you saying? I'm fucking stupid or something?" And I'm saying, "Well, it just shows you're supposed to show the ticket. People know that. And if you don't have your ticket, you're gonna have to hit the bricks." And he's like, "What the fuck am I gonna hit?" And I said, "The bricks." And he goes, "No, I'm gonna hit your face." And all of a sudden, his friends show up and up against the balcony, and you know the railing. And uh, he goes, "I should throw your bald ass over that thing." And I was like. And for some reason, I went crazy, and I go, I, I lean up against the railing, and I go, go for it, just throw me off, go for it, right now, you man, you throw me off. And he's like, man, I ain't gonna fuck with you, and then he just turn around and go back into the theater. And I'm like sweating, and sweating, and sweating. <laughs> so dumb. Uh, There's certain I mean, things that we should yeah. say. I've said so many smart-ass things, because um, the things that you tolerate, there is a breaking point for most people, and if you have any intelligence, sure, and you're yeah. kind of funny, you always have a good backup line, which usually gets you in trouble. Yeah, for sure. Like I, like, I don't start off being a dick. Like, I'm reasonable to the point where I can't be reasonable anymore. And, but as you want to tell you, you got to, like, just stay on track. Stay on message. Don't don't veer off. And, like, sometimes, like, look, I've had all I'm going to take from you. Though, like, the one time this person like, this is ridiculous. I'm never coming here again. Like, I understand, man. I'm sorry. I will never, ever step foot in this place again. This is, I'm, like, that's, I understand. And it's like, are you hear me? Never, ever again. I'm like, all right, that's cool. <laughs> they like the manager overheard me. Like, don't say that school again, dude. I was like, you can't. You gotta be just apologetic. I'm like, it's already apparent that she's never coming again. Nothing I can say is gonna change it, you know. Yeah. So. I got in trouble recently for doing something like that. This lady, I kept trying to explain to her electronics, like really simple electronics, how this thing worked. And I kept trying to, okay, I'm going to break off pieces of information, get it more basic. Okay, I'm going to strip it down even more to the most basic information you need to understand this. And, And by this point, she's fucking pissed. She's so frustrated. She doesn't understand anything that I'm telling her. And she's about to ask me about something else. And I stop and I go, ma'am, is there something I'm saying that's upsetting you? Holy shit, did I fucking get in trouble for that one. I got reported to management. Management comes over and says, why would you ask that? And I go, because I'm trying to figure out what the problem is. And I want to stop upsetting her. Yeah, see, the problem I have with anyone who's in a job of customer service is like, it's like if you were to have the same conversation with somebody on the street, they would not be outraged. But because you're in a position of service, the same, same conversation is all of a sudden outrageous. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like... Yeah, it's like the point becomes ridiculous, man. I mean, I understand it's customer service, and I was providing fine customer service up to a point where it just becomes dumb. You know what I mean? This, this is, you know, this, 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 this has to end. You know, <laughs> and like, there's like, and what I've learned, like, especially like, you know, it depends on where you're at too. Like, the, the same level of customer service has to be different. Like, whereas, like, if you're like a, a front desk clerk at a regular hotel versus a casino hotel, whereas people will come there. At a casino, especially you get freebies, no matter what. I regular hotel sometimes too, but what's worse at casinos? Well, they'll just they feel like they can complain, and all of a sudden they'll get a free buffet or a free room or something. They'll get comp for something, and then it came to the point where they would just like make shit up, like say I lied to, like say I lie and say I said this to them, like they didn't say, like if they had a broken leg and um, she didn't have the appropriate, she had her husband's credit card. I'm like, yeah, I know, but I, he either has to be here verifying his ID or you have to use yours. And it, the problem is, it's free, it's free home security. I have to have a corresponding ID to the credit card or debit card, and that person has to be right in front of me. You know what I mean? Otherwise, how would I know you steal his card or his wallet, even if you had his ID? You know what I mean? It's, so it's just it's for your own security. You know, God forbid that happened to you, and then you're like, why did you let somebody use my credit card? You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, so what the, I, I mean, I'm sorry, but you know, if you wouldn't mind, he, either he can come up here later, or if you wouldn't mind going back to getting it. And then she had a book of like, came here on crutches, and I'm sorry for the inconvenience. That is policy. It's for your own protection. 
She claimed to the manager after I went on break, and I wasn't there to defend myself, that I pulled her to fuck off, get the hell out of here, come back with it with some other car, and you can get the hell out of here. And she asked me, you had, did you tell her that? I'm like, what do you think? Yeah. I, you know, I've never said that to anybody before in my life. All of a sudden, I'm just going, fuck out of here, bitch. You know, don't pull up all this shit with me. Like, I didn't think you did, but I had to, like, you know, I had to verify just to be sure, you know. So, <laughs> well, yeah, people, no, I was playing on quitting today, so that's why I said this stuff. And in fact, oh yeah, for even asking. <laughs> or, or I'm like, yeah, so that was a problem with that. What's, what's the big deal? <laughs> I can't say fuck off to somebody who's not out of here. <laughs> I didn't realize I was trying to find. I, I to kind of wrap this episode up because we'll probably go for hours on this. Because well, we can't talk oh, yeah, about sure. the job that we worked on together because you're still there. Damn it, you, you need to get a different job <laughs> so we can talk about this. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm on my way out. Trust me. I'm either on the, on the fence getting fired or quitting. Come November, I'm kind of like you know, I'm right. I'm, I'm on the razor's edge. <laughs> oh man! Um, but I'll say this: I tried working for myself sporadically from um, 2000 to about uh, 2000. Uh, well, I guess technically the business ended around 2013. But over those years, I would have jobs to fill in, like when sales were slow, or I just got bored with it and moved on. Working for yourself is no easier either because you're eating so much debt buying product and I would I would sell online yeah. like on eBay and half.com and stuff like that and Amazon but you hear the biggest right. bunch of bullshit from the buyers and it fucking irritates you so bad because eBay and Amazon will not have your back no matter what they only care about the customer service yeah. part so even if you work by yourself you're still a whore to the system where they just basically abuse you they take from you and you gotta take it with a smile um and I, I, I just got sick of it, especially Amazon. People would buy these. I used to have a VHS collection. I don't know if you ever saw it. Did you ever see the 10,000 VHS uh, I had? I, I saw like, the tail end of it when you were about, about getting close to move. I saw what you still had, and it was still still pretty expensive. I can't imagine what it was like at full capacity. Yeah, it, I mean, it took up every square inch of that apartment. It was ridiculous. I thought about putting them in the fridge, but I figured maybe the moisture might get, you know. They smell <laughs> like broccoli. Yeah. Um, but there was a point where people were buying these very expensive movies, and I'm like, booyah! You know, that one sale is, uh, you know, like 80 bucks, and, and that's amazing for something I probably paid, right. you know, 50 cents or a dollar for. By the way, that'll piss people off, too, because if they see a sticker, like, say I bought it from a video store, and then I resold it, and it says, this is $1.99, you sold it for eight ninety nine. how dare you? And I'm like, because it's a business, stupid, that's how business would work. They buy things at a lower price and sell it at a higher price. How do you think they stay in business, fuck tart? You know, I mean, right. um, I shouldn't have said that last part, sorry, that was offensive. Um, <laughs> but uh, there was a point where these people were buying the videotapes, they were recording them, like burning them to DVD or whatever, and then they would destroy the tape and saying that I sent them a damaged tape. I'm like, what the? F I checked the thing and I, everything, you know. I and, and I got to the point where it's like, do I need to take pictures of this and video? And no matter how much I defended myself, Amazon would be like, no, they're right. It doesn't matter. They're right. You have to give them all their money back, right. including shipping. In fact, they don't even have to send you the videotape back if they don't want to. And uh, because you've had so many returns, we're in fact going to uh, put your account on suspension. And now you have to write a letter defending yourself. And it's just kind of bullshit that I couldn't do. That is bullshit, too, because a lot of times, like, you know, like, uh, the sellers can intentionally rip somebody off, you know what I mean? And you're, you're going, be, you know, above and beyond to provide them with a quality product because, you know, because you enjoy VHS and you, and you enjoy movies. So, you want, you know, you're, you're providing them a service and you, you want to give them the best quality product. But there's, like, cases of, like, you know, people send you a faulty something else or, or the incorrect product, you know what I mean? And then, you know. Yeah, and or they'll be like, oh, around a minute 58, there was a blip on the screen. That's not like new. That is a, I was like, well, ah. 
And uh, yeah, what was the other one? Um, I was trying to remember. There was there's something else that drove me nuts. Oh, the buying trips were hellacious. Someday I'm going to tell you a whole episode of the crazy people I met buying the VHS. Let's just say one of them ended with shotgun shells and someone saying varmints, but I knew they meant black people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Chainsaws out in the middle of nowhere. I was like, ah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, we gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any other anything else you want to say before we go? Uh, no, but uh, I, I wish I could say like you know the the job horror story, horror story is far behind me, but I'm sure I'm still probably in the middle of them. So. Oh my god. <laughs> I'll keep you posted if there's any more like crazy job stories to come. Well, I think in general every job is have like these mind-boggling stories of frustration and stress, and it's all about the end result though. Some people at the end result they have a movie, you know, they have uh, mm. you know something big that they can show for it. And I feel like all I'm doing is spinning my wheels and just paying the bills, paying the bills, paying the bills. That's it. Yeah, same here. Same here. If I, if anything, I hope this. But you know, perhaps provide you with some sort of entertainment. <laughs> yeah. wasn't funny. wasn't funny at the time, but I can, I can look look back now and uh, chuckle. Yeah, uh, I'll finish this with one quick story about um, when I worked for the Parks and Rec department. You would think that since it was Parks and Rec, would be less focused on customer service. I was literally a beach attendant. All I did was watch it, make sure nothing bad happened. If it did, I called the cops. Um, if I needed service, I just called, like, you know, the maintenance guys. That was basically it. I would just walk up and down for hours on end, just keep an eye on the beach. No hot chicks. No hot chicks. I swear to God, I've seen the most horrific things in bikinis and, and, and swimsuits. And uh, uh, I don't want to – I'm trying not to remember. But um, over that summer, trying to get people to follow the rules, I've had – cussing out threatens a beat up you know uh them reaching into my truck it was a hot day so i let it air out they reach into my truck and snapped off the mirror um i've had someone poop on my office steps because they wanted to use the bathroom and i said well ma'am i'm getting ready to leave the bathrooms are all clean and locked but if you just go behind the building over to the park which was like like 80 feet away at most uh there's a bathroom right. there and then i come around and then there, there's a pile of shit on my steps Take, take a certain kind of class or do something like that. Yeah. So outrage. Yeah, not only will I not shit what you told me, I'm going to take a shit right in your death. <laughs> Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Yeah, that was the hottest summer I've ever worked, sitting outside in like 95, easily 95 degree weather on a regular basis to the point where they're like, can you guys come in at 4 a.m. when the sun first comes up and leave by noon because it's going to get too hot? I'm like, oh, whatever, dude, as long as I'm getting paid. Right. Yeah. You, you know, you're... you're uh... The stuff you'll put up with is definitely, uh, you're definitely more flexible when you're younger, for sure. Yeah, but I wish I had focused more. Um, I had a college degree by that point, and I'm doing that job. So, kids, what I'm saying is that when you graduate, don't take it easy. You're going to have to bust your ass to separate yourself from the rest of the crowd. You know, you're going to have to get out there, and if you want it, go get it. For sure, yeah. You, you're definitely not, and just with a college degree, you're definitely not guaranteed a decent job. You're no. probably going to have to pay pay your dues. You're going to have to, like, do some searching. You're going to have to, like, you got to hit the street. You know what I mean? You're definitely going to have to, to move and shake a bit and do some research. And, you know, hopefully things will turn out better for you than they did for me. <laughs> but, yeah, it's like, but I, I came out with the illusion that, hey, I got a degree. Oh, there, there should be job offers lining up around the block. And, you know, n not always the case. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what I was thinking. I was just like, "Oh, I got all the time in the world. Eventually, it'll come around to me." And I'm just, uh, I'm just a dumbass. <laughs>
Okay, so I think that's it for us here. Check us out on Facebook under Retro Rocket Entertainment. We'll be back next month with a 30th anniversary of the Fox Network. I'm also thinking about, you know, I think it's a, a good time for us to discuss, like, Comedy Central in the beginning, all those great shows that we watched. Um, other than that, do oh, I yeah. don't have anything else in mind? Yeah, no, that, that, sounds, that sounds cool. I mean, you know, I think we touched on, like, like 90s um, sitcoms and sketch comedy before, but, yeah, we could definitely, like, revisit some stuff and tell me, like, yeah, it's definitely comedy central and also, like, when it was the hot network was definitely pretty groundbreaking. I think we discussed it in short length before, but, yeah, we could definitely uh, re- revisit that as long as, uh, as well as the, uh, the Fox, you know. The yeah, you know what's funny is a lot of them were... Right. This started off, like, this episode here is more like what the show started off as, but it, it kind of has become pop culture because music, movies, TV, all that, you know, kind of stuff was very significant mm-hmm. to our youth anyway, so it kind of have an influence on who we are. But we could literally just do episodes on, like, you know, uh, like you said, family sitcoms, and, like all those, uh, you know, and then, like, the works shows, you know, where, like, Taxi and, and stuff like that, you know, where they had work to jobs and... We could do. I was thinking about doing one on the uh, whole ska swing revival of the '90s, like post grunge. What was music like, you know, post that that breakthrough? That's true. Yeah, yeah. There, that's that's that, that was a strange time, and it was it was it was like really intense. There was like an intense swing and retro movement, and it was it seemed like it was it was there and gone in an instant. It's weird how uh, things become uh, so popular so fast and then so unpopular so fast. Yeah, you know, so really strange. Kind of putting ideas out there if you think of anything tony throw it at me um this show isn't exactly the easiest it's it's hard to zombie my way through this one like the rest of my shows where i just pick a topic and we just do it this one i'm kind of like working angles trying to get something that will be worth listening to so i hope this episode while it's been different than the last few i hope that it um was entertaining i i love hearing these stories the the interview part was horrifying and i totally understand where you're coming from i've actually had a job i had a job interview working at a factory and i decided like five minutes before i went in the door i go fuck this i'm not doing it so uh, i just sat in my truck reading comic books oh you know what real quick i completely forgot about, i mean there's so many jobs i forgot about but i was i was 18 um working at this job briefly for a summer and i was a job printing like uh, printing off labels like this giant blade i would push down to chop off labels like you know, like a die and, like, I would come to work stoned half the time because my coworker would always make me get stoned with him at lunch. And I swear I almost cut my arm off, like, five different times. Oh, my God. That was, that was horrible, yeah. And I, like, it was like, instantly stoned, but it was, holy shit, that was almost my hand. I don't know how I don't, know how I don't have a stump on my left, left arm by now, but, you know. <laughs> Thankfully, I managed to get out of that job. And I managed to leave while well, I still, still had all my limbs intact. That only last the summer, but that was uh, that was an intense job for a little while. I totally forgot about that one. Yeah, I uh, the Parks and Rec on Fridays, they would have me work with the maintenance crew, and then I, I slammed my hand in the door. I drove the car into a pole. I drove the car again, or the truck again, um, into a piece of uh, like mowing equipment. Um, I had a picnic table dropped on me. I had a log dropped on me where I jumped up and got a fence caught into my arm, which I still have the scar today, where the fence like rammed right into the skin. Um, uh, that's one of many, many injuries that I had that summer. And I'm like, as much as it paid well, I'm pretty sure I was going to die after about a year. Surprised they let you go because uh, you said there's too much on their insurance. With all, yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. Someone actually asked me, though, was like, you coming back this summer? I was like, no, good God, no, I'm going to die. <laughs> I don't know if either of us can afford it. You know, me, uh, me physically or the, or the park financially. <laughs> yeah, someone's like, no, 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 please, not him. He's too much of a risk. 
Um, all right, so <laughs> this uh, I don't know how to end the song or how and, and it's uh, end this episode with a song. So I have this uh, something I thought was funny. Uh, have you ever heard the band The Aquabats? Oh sure. So they have a song called CD Repo Man, where I guess it was a true story about people bootlegging CDs and basically having to go to these stops and go, look, these are all fake. I'm taking them right now from you. And, you know, <laughs> I can't imagine being a repo man, period. My dad was a repo guy for U-Haul um, for a little while. And, and just the insane shit you hear about, uh, oh, this one was used as a brothel. Oh, this guy came after him with a shotgun. And yeah. the movie Repo Man is awesome, but the reality of taking stuff back from crazy people who refuse to pay for it is extremely dangerous. So I'm, I'm glad I have these yeah. stupid, mundane stories. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Don't have the stunts for that. Yeah. All right, so everybody have a good night, and Tony, thank you again. Oh, you're welcome. You're more than welcome, sir. Mr. Humphreys? Yes. Yes, I'm Mr. Humphreys. What do you want? Uh, yeah!